folks. Welcome to We'll Take It From Here with Joe. You're listening to a show the, with the goal to make you think and entertain you. We're on episode 97. We're 97 weeks in. Before we introduce our guest, which we have a really cool guest today, just wanted to say thank you to all of you. As always, you guys are the reason why I do the show. I love hearing all the feedback that you have, both positive and the constructive criticism. It helps me out a lot. I love hearing when you guys are pumped and you know when you enjoy people's stories or just me yapping. And today we have a really, really, really cool guest, um, especially if you're in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu community, because we all know this show here is always talking about jiu-jitsu in some way or another. Um, it isn't a jiu-jitsu podcast, but we do talk about it because it is very important and it has a lot of life lessons. Without further ado, I'm going to introduce our guest today. We have the Dan Koval. Dan Koval from Dan Koval Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Welcome to the show, bro. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. really appreciate the time. Anytime, bro. Thank you for coming on, man. Like, uh, I, so we met back in uh, at probe training at Pure MMA. Correct. Right? Yeah, that was the first time. Yep. And um, I remember going up to you because I had known who you were from everyone's like, oh, that's Dan Cole, that's Dan Cole. So I was like, okay, I want to roll with you. And I remember the first thing you did, he's like, hey, man, where do you want to start? And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I've never had someone ask me, like, you know, how I, I want to start the roll. I was like, all right, well, we'll start from the feet. Little did I know that you're a black belt in judo, right? Yeah. Correct, so yeah. I knew where you were in jiu-jitsu. I did not know you were black belt in judo. And uh, once we did the slap bump, I think you had me in the ground in like two seconds, of course. And then it was a lot of fun from there. But you know what I loved rolling with you was you, you bring the intensity, you bring that heat, but you're also a great training partner to be with because you know what, like, obviously, since you've been doing it for over 20 plus years, you are a really safe training partner, but you also bring it. So that's, I love it. Yeah. I think the thing when it comes to first, again, thank you for having me on. I really Absolutely. appreciate your time and everyone that's going to be listening. Um, yeah. I think a lot of times when it comes to training, most people think training, it has to be some thing, something or the other. And a lot of times, most people put it through this myopic view of winning. And that's why I always ask people like, Hey, what do you want to do? How do you want to start? If I'm visiting places mm -hmm. or if I'm training with someone I've never trained with before or someone's visiting me. Now, when, when it comes to my students, I typically have standards what we're going to do and how we're going to start and things like that. At least we start from our feet unless someone's injured. Right? Okay. But almost everyone else visiting or I'm visiting them, I just go, hey, what do you want to do? I, I'm, I'm amendable to anything. I want people to enjoy themselves. But at the same time, I know that once we start training, I'm going to go how they're going to go. But at the same time, I'm most likely, as you already mentioned, like I have a tremendous like decades worth of experience grappling. Mm -hmm. I'm not worried in terms of like, oh, this person's going to look. I've done this long enough that I know how to protect myself and really create a scenario and a pace that not only is fun, that people are going to enjoy. It's going to be challenging and it's not going to be some scenario where like, oh, God, this guy's going to kill me or something like that. Or I'm worried they're going to kill me because yeah. safety, honestly, is paramount. Too many people think about safety as just this one thing that's like, well, I don't want to get hurt by someone doing a submission too fast or something. But pace can really be – like if you're not used to it, pace can be weaponized. And most people don't understand that. Like you can immediately spike someone's heart rate and they have a panic attack. I've watched people do that before. Oh, years. wow. Yeah, I never thought about it that way. Like I've had – I've – in the beginning, um, like when I very first started training, when people would mount me, I was there was no problem. But there was this point in time where and I don't know why, but I, when I would get mounted, especially by a bigger dude, I would start to panic. Sure. And it was like weird that it just it came and went, thank thankfully. Yeah. But I never thought about it that way, where people could have such a raise in heart rate at that point that they could then get injured that way. Yeah, they can most certainly because think about it this way, and this is why you know a lot of people over the years, and it, it, it's a it's low hanging fruit. Uh, equation. They always try to go like, hey, jujitsu is like 
chess. You hear that constantly. Yeah, and, yeah. and I always just want to make that like, like crazy, like jerk off motion when they say that, because <laughs> I, everything has, because they're trying to make it sound smarter than it is or more exotic or whatever, whatever. They're trying to make it sound like it's something more. Listen, tic-tac-toe has strategy to it. Yeah. Everything has strategy and tactics to it. But if you're going to get closer to a one-to-one ratio, what jujitsu is closer to, in terms of at least physicality to something that maybe just the layman or the regular person has done before, it's like swimming. So if you want to look at it that way, when you're first learning how to swim, it may feel natural, it may not feel natural, but if you're out of your depth, you start to do stuff that makes you frantic and it makes you start to panic. And that's why they tell you don't rescue somebody by jumping in to try to grab them because they'll drown you at the same time. And it's the same type of thing. So if you don't know what's going on, to your, to your example of like the bigger person mounting you and it kind of made you like, oh, what's happening here? Until you felt comfortable, that was a real shock to your central nervous system. It made you go, what, what's happening to me right now? Mm-hmm. Spiked your heart rate, spiked your respiratory rate. And then you may do something out of character. I mean, you know, hurt your back, twist a rib, fill in the blank, do something that easily could be avoided once you become a little more experienced with stuff. Yeah. So going back to the original thing, when we first trained, I always, and, and to your point, it, it's, it's, it's nice to know that at least in this community, people know who I am to a certain degree, whatever that may be. And when people come up to me and they've never trained with me before, but they've heard my name or something like that before, I just go, hey, what do you want to do? Yeah. I really want to try to take that edge off it. I want to be a lot more approachable. And just like, hey, man, I'm here to train with you just like you're here to train with me. Mm -hmm. There's no no pedestal. I'm not here and you're here and you're going to do whatever I do, et cetera, et cetera. No, I want to train. It's mutually beneficial. So I always try to take that like that anxiety way that that may not be the correct term, but maybe just like that little social, like, I don't know what to do. Listen, what do you want to do? Yeah. I'm cool with whatever, man. I, I just want to train with you, whatever no, it is. I love that too, because there is a huge part of it too. And you'll see when new people come in and like, mm-hmm. cause you know, I've been doing it for three and a half years, almost four years. Okay. Now, right. So when new people come in, maybe I'm just making an assumption, but sometimes you can see it in their face. They're a little nervous to go with anyone. Sure. Right. But once you go up to them and say, hello, it's like, boom, all the nerves are away. Yeah. You like make them feel at home. And that's, key right i feel like a lot of people when they try to see like the gyms they want to go to you go to the gym where you feel comfortable and where you like the people because then you're going to be one you're going to be simulating murder with these people every day and two after the role of when someone's choking you out or you just choke someone out you're friends and you want to have that community yeah if you don't have that culture which is one of mutually beneficial Mm -hmm. and of respect of like hey this person's a regular sentient human that has to go about their business after this and if you don't allow that spectrum of training with people and get to know each other and be like, hey, where are our limits in terms of like how hard we can go with each other? What are the considerations? Like, hey, dude, like, you know, I'm in my 40s now. People don't know how old I am by looking at me. But it's one of those things like people just surmise that I'm still in my 20s or something because of the volume of training that I do still and how much and I'm always on the mats, et cetera, et cetera. But I got a lot of things that are, you know, not necessarily injuries, but are just like overuse fill in the blank. And I don't know what you may have and vice versa. And until we really know what's going on with each other. I just go, we have to figure it out. So it's like, whatever you're comfortable with, tell me what you're comfortable with. And especially as the person with more experience, being myself, I always, I I just talk to people. I communicate with them right away. Let them know, like, hey, you tell me what you want to do. What are you comfortable with? 
And then there's so many different ways to train too. Cause somebody may be like, Hey, I'm just coming back for, okay, cool. No problem. Do you want to train from a specific position? Do you want to try to hold me in a position? Like I try to give it a wide berth. So people are really understanding like training doesn't have to be mortal combat every <laughs> single time you step on the mat. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's not the finals of a tournament every single time. I can guarantee you when you're done training, your mom will still love you. You know, there's no trophy to be had here at the end, mm -hmm. right? But at the same time, we can really start to create a scenario where we can push the pace and we can start to be more of like hard-nosed training partners with each other as we start to find those boundaries. But to your point, when we first, when I first meet someone and stuff like that, I, my point isn't to show them how tough, and again, that's really subject, whatever that means, or how much more I know. I want them to kind of feel comfortable enough to be able to like, hey, let's train, and then we'll go from there. And I yeah. kind of let them set the pace, and I match that intensity and whatever that is. And a lot of times, it's just like controlling people and stuff. It's not even about submitting them. Like, it's not like spamming submissions. How many times I can submit someone? That really has no bearing on what I'm trying to do, especially as I'm trying to refine things. Every single time I train with somebody, it's an opportunity for me to refine more of what I'm already doing and seeing how it works against maybe someone I don't train with all the time or someone who I do. And as they start to adapt to my game, it allows me to do and figure out different pathways to things and create more wrinkles to my technique. And that's hugely important to me. And again, to your point, if I just go in there and smoke everybody or just like hurt them or whatever, whatever, just be a total jerk to yeah. constantly no one's going to want to train with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, right. Yeah. You, know, you defeat the purpose. You'll exactly. be sitting out the whole fucking time. Exactly. exactly. You can't break your toys and expect to play with them. Yeah. And that's your training part. And it goes both ways. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who it is. Like me to you and you to me. It's like we need to be able to make it safe enough and be able to train with enough intensity that it's, it's purposeful. Yeah. No, 1,000%. And what you just said too brought something to my mind as you said it. Um, when you have power, quote unquote, over someone, you have protection over said person. So it's like your responsibility to be a responsible training partner. And the one thing too, when I remember, I think it was the first time, it was definitely the first time we rolled, you had me in uh, and you put me in an, arm, or in an arm bar, right? But I was trying to do all my defense to it, right? And I was trying to work through it. And I realized too, I realized right away, I was like, oh, he could have finished me minutes ago, but he's letting me work through it to see. Now I didn't get out. But I was, it was cool to like at least be, okay, what do I need to do here? Oh, I got to put my arm here. But when I put my arm here, he does this. And then eventually, then after a while, you just got it. But at least it gave me some time. Now, it, it's cool. It, it's cool to see. You know what I mean? It's like also cool to see what – I, I don't want to say humbled because um, I already knew what I was getting into. But it's cool to see when you go up against levels, like how there's levels to everything in the sport, Correct. how some yeah. people feel different than others. And it's really, really fucking cool. Sure. I think that is a really important net positive about training with everybody. So when I'm training my gym or anyone else's gym, I don't go, hey, you're not of my level, meaning belt rank or whatever mm -hmm. it is or experience or something like that. I don't ever turn people away for that reason in and of itself. I never do because I find a huge a huge gain from training with people to just exactly what you just said. It may have put you in a position. I'm not just immediately trying to submit you with it. I want to see what you do. And back to the original point that I made about doing techniques to people, I want to refine what I'm doing. So training with you for the first time, I want to see that, hey, maybe you'll have a defense that I haven't seen yet before. Let me put you in a position that I know that I'm commonly in. And let's see what type of feedback I'm going to get from you as you're trying to defend and things like that. And okay, no sweat. And at the same time, this is also letting you know, it's like, hey, I may have you in a compromising position, but you can trust that I'm not going to 
basically try to tear your arm off yeah. in that scenario, <laughs> exactly. right? And it's yeah. like now you know it's like oh, right, well, it's cool. It's like you know he's letting he's letting me work, and I'm not I'm not letting, when I say this, I'm doing the cheese ball air quotes. I'm not letting you do anything. You are trying, and mm-hmm. I'm being mindful of what you're doing, and it's a learning experience. But I'm trying to make sure that I'm getting something out of it just as much as you're getting out of it. Yeah, one thousand percent. And that's really important, right? What's like, what's the point of training if you're not going to actually try to get better, regardless mm-hmm. of who you're training with? So it's a, if it's a room full of white belts, there's something to be learned there. And I'm not trying to be hokey. Like there's so many, there's so many snake oil salesmen in this scenario that they create a cult of personality and they try to sell you on doing X, Y, Z things. But what I mean by that is. I really do find that there's a lot of benefit to be had with different levels of training partners. Mm-hmm. And there is value to somebody, even if they may not be your level. Yeah. Don't just go, oh, you know, they don't have anything for me or something like that. No, and, and that's what I wanted to ask you too because I've heard this before. I've heard that there are gyms and there are cultures that if you are a lower belt, you cannot ask a higher belt to roll. Have you ever encountered that yeah, in Yeah, I do. Listen, I've seen it so many times. It's mind-blowing. And as soon as I see somebody say that, so let, let, let's, we'll take this from like kind of my beginning perspective of things. Yeah. I'm very different when it comes to this stuff. So I've been grappling literally my entire life since I was six years old. Okay, oh, so, nice. so it's, a, been, it's literally been the only common thread throughout my entire life that I I can point to and say, yeah, this thing has been here forever. So with that being said, I've seen every different iteration of every different uh, culture, for lack of a better term, in grappling communities from judo and jiu-jitsu and even wrestling and so on and so forth, mixed martial arts. Uh, when you see that, right, when people try to create those scenarios, it's almost as if they're trying to not focus on the training and trying to constantly be focused on the secondary and tertiary benefits of things, which there's nothing wrong with creating a hierarchy and some standards and some structure that you, that make it easier for you to run your business. Now, as a business owner and a gym owner, you are trying to be in, in profit for whatever you're doing. You're trying Absolutely. to make money. And there's 100%. Nothing, and there's literally that's what you're in business for and you're doing it because you have a billable skill and you should be able to make a living and no one should be besmirched for doing that. And however you create that scenario is is up to you. So I'm not judging anyone, but when I see those scenarios to me, I just think there's way more efficient ways to make things happen than create this like hard pecking order. And the reason I mention this is because working adults already have to jump through enough hoops in their regular day. If you just think about a regular nine to five human going to work, HR, certain break time, they can only eat at a certain time, whatever it is, they already have enough structure and stuff. When they come to the gym, I want it to be more of a like, hey, don't try to kill each other, come in and clean gear and you know everything in between we'll talk about. And as a leader, and that's why I'm always at my gyms is because I like the hands-on approach People can trust that I'm going to be there. They know it's I'm going to set the tone and the culture is going to be kind of based around what I'm doing with people. I just find that other stuff is kind of lazy. Like that lazy, like don't ask this person, don't ask. Why not? Like what's the big deal? Like I don't like, you know, calling people by a specific title as well. Again, I'm not judging people on it. I just like, eh, just call me by my name. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or if you insist on calling me, say, Call me in the language that we're speaking in the, you know, the, the mass language that we're speaking. Like, so again, professor is something that you find to be a commonly used title for the person running the class, especially mm-hmm. black belt level or above in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And that's just from Portuguese. That just translates from the person teaching the class it just means teacher. Right. Yeah. 
so we have a word for that in English and American sports called coach already, right? You know, like if you insist on calling me, just call me coach. You know, but, but just call me Dan, honestly. I tell people that all the time. Like you don't have – and then they'll be like, oh, it's a respect thing. I go, I don't feel like you're disrespecting me either way. I've, ne- I've never have had that issue. It's literally my name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I go, I don't, like, I don't have an issue with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I just don't have an issue. So, yeah, to your – Boy, there's a lot of those things that happen, but I find like they just people lean on them too much, which just it, it reeks of laziness to me, as opposed to like running your and letting people know, communicating with them and stuff. They're just like, here are the rules on this wall placard thing, and like if you didn't, you know, come through and and read that and commit it to memory, well, for shame, you know, like you should be, you know, you know, chastised for it. I guess like man, I I just can't to me. I'm always trying to lower the bar of entry for people to come in to train. Like I said, it's already challenging enough. They already have a difficult time, you know, going to and from. They may have a job that they would rather like jump into a volcano than go to <laughs> yeah. tomorrow. You know what I mean? Unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, you know what I mean? So I'm well aware like that these people are already taking on that little free time they have to come in and do something that's crazy and challenging to begin with. I'm not going to. I'm not going to make it harder on them. Yeah. I'm not going to make it harder on them in that regard. And I'm sure they appreciate that because like you said, and you mentioned they have a specific hierarchy or specific standards that they must meet in their, in their job. If they don't like it, that's going to add on worse. And then maybe at home they have to play a certain role. So for you, this is like their outlet is what you're saying. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and, and that's just my perspective. Right. And that's the way I want to do things. And again, I'm not, it's I try not to make it sound like I know I, I don't. I, I'm not trying to be judgmental to the other people that choose to do other things, mm-hmm. right? That's the way they feel it's more appropriate for them and what they're trying to accomplish. No sweat. But to me, I just don't like someone comes up to me and asks me to train. If there's a reason I don't want to train with them, I would even articulate it to them. But it would really have zero to do with their rank, like at a lower belt asking me to, mm-hmm. to train. Like, that's nothing that's nothing you should well you should welcome people who are lower ranking of you to ask you to train because if you want them to be a good training partner i know this is a secret to people but i'm going to let everyone know right now (laughs) if you want them to be a good training partner you have to make them a good training partner so that means you're going to have to train with them they're going to get better through training with you i know this is shocking to most people hearing this right now that may train jujitsu and still prescribe to the thing that we were just talking about. But if you want to make, whether it's smaller people than you or someone that may have some sort of physical disability, but if you want them to be that training partner that you, that you would only consider if they were already at that level, you're going to have to coach them up. You're going to have to train them up. You're going to have to be yep. part of that maturization process with them. Or who's going to do it? No, 1,000%. And, and that's the beauty about jiu-jitsu too and other martial arts as well. But you can't just do the drilling without the roles. You need the roles because yeah. without that and without that training to put together what you have learned that day, the concept, you'll never get better at it. And yeah. another thing too with uh, – it, it's a little separate but with the lower belts. And this is something like I I threw my ego out the door. I know like for the most part when I – Started jujitsu. I knew in the beginning I was going to get rolled, all that good stuff, right? Perfect. Then when you start to get a little bit better, right? Then you go with people that are like, so I'm a blue belt. They're white belt. All right. And then if you get caught, I'll always be like, hey, man, great job. But in, in the back of my mind, I used to be like, damn, dude, like you're training and you just got caught by what? No, no. That's good. You want to know what? That means you're at a good school. That means you're at a school where people are learning and the stuff works. So like Obviously, if another thing with me was like when you're going with lower levels and if you get tapped, great. 
Perfect. It, you you have to understand that there's there's a few things. That, again, these kind of find the face of stuff that you've traditionally heard, but again, it's wild. There is ego. It, this whole entire sport is based be good. upon yeah. competitive nature. Mm-hmm. Let's just start with that, right? In, 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 in competitiveness in general has an ego part baked into it. Mm-hmm. Pride, everything. People want to be good. People want to progress. People want to have a feeling of self-worth while doing this as they're getting better. So if you do get caught, regardless, you're still going to not feel, even if it's against a black belt or whatever, you're still kind of going to be like, like, you know what I mean? But to your point, you should welcome that because it's like, all right, these people are getting better because they're training consistently. And even back to the, the one of the initial points you made in this part is that it's very cyclical, okay? So if they're getting better, I'm going to get better. And if I get better, they're going to get better. If self-fulfilling in that regard, like, but you need people to train. And to your point, if they're getting better and they catch you, it's like, oh, and they, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I'm at a good place because people are training consistently. People are advancing. This They may not have the same belt rank, but, man, they're starting to catch on to the things that everyone is hoping that they're going to be able to. And then to what I made the point about of them being a good training partner, yeah, now they're starting to become the training partner you wanted because you're part of their process. You didn't go, you're not part of our you're not part of our whatever gang yet. You know what I mean? You're not part of our clique. You're not part of the, this certain belt color yet. You're not allowed to. No. To get them to that level, they have to have that exposure. That's why I train with my students every day. I train in every class that I teach twice a day, Monday through Friday, and then on Saturday as well. Nice. Because I want people, and actually one of my black belts said it this morning when we trained. They're coming to train with me because they're still learning stuff, even on the most basic level that I do. And even though I've taught it to them, and I really go to painstaking levels to try to articulate myself well when I'm teaching and be really self-critical about like, hey, could I taught that better? As I'm watching people, I'm like, oh, okay, everyone is, you know, I didn't explain this well enough. Let me do this. Even if I do all that, they still learn more or they can still learn. And it's a compounding effect if I train with them. Mm-hmm. If I'm on the mat with them and doing stuff, I'm like, oh, man, I just noticed that something that you've done or talked about before, like I saw you doing it today. If it's not against them, maybe they saw me training with somebody else. Being on the mat and being present and giving those people everything you have is like, as you know, being over at Pure With Everybody, like you see that being so beneficial. And again, you can't have that if you just go, we're only doing this class or this guy can only train with this, you know, fill in the blank, whatever the restrictions are, you're slowing people's progression down. Yeah. In my opinion. In no, my opinion. I definitely see that too, because you definitely, it, it, the beauty of it is going from all different skill levels, skill levels. And like, all right, today I want to go with people that are less experienced than me. I want to work my offense. And then it's, I right, know I want to challenge myself even more. I want to go with the really good guys. Then you're working your defense. Right. Correct. And it's just like, it's like that fight or flight. That's Correct. what I love about it. And yeah. that, and that's why I love the sport. And I actually got into it uh, because I was sitting on the couch. I was like, dude, I don't even know how to defend myself. And I, to, I need to not like, Coincidental man, right? Like I, sure. like you said, it's subjective what is tough before, yeah. but I, I want to be a protector. So I got into the sport, which brings me to, you said you were doing stuff, man, you're in your forties and, and since you were six, mm-hmm. why did you get into martial arts in oh, general? That's, that's a fun, that's a yeah. fun story. <laughs> and, and what did you start off? Was it wrestling? No, judo. Yeah. We, so the reason I got into judo is because we did not have a wrestling team where I grew up. So I grew up in central New York, proper proper central New York. So when people think of New York, especially in this area where we're right right now in the tri-state New York City area, anything north of New York City is all of a sudden upstate. 
Not not <laughs> But we, we don't have to get into that. Where I grew up is dead middle of the state. Okay, three and a half hours to Buffalo, three and a half hours to New York City. I grew up dead middle of the state, right outside of the Adirondacks. And because of where I grew up, hockey was so popular at our school. And because of that, we didn't have wrestling. Everyone else had a wrestling team. We didn't have one. It was hockey in the winter or go fuck yourself. That, that was it. <laughs> like, that was it. That was, that was it. But I loved, loved martial art movies, even as a little kid. And my older brother was already doing uh, Shotokan karate and stuff. And he would come home and beat the ever-living shit out of me. Beat the, like, when I say, like, just, I was now just getting kicked around the house. And my parents <laughs> kind of looked at me and like, we got to do something with this other one. He's going to get killed one day. Like, they're like, this is, this is like crazy. It looked like a, looked like a deleted scene from Roadhouse. I was, just getting, <laughs> I was getting karate kicked and stuff and like Kung Fu next to the lake. So that's how it started for me. Yeah. That's how, and I loved it. And I loved the, the grappling aspect of it. I love it. In, Cause Shotokan, sorry to interrupt, but Shotokan, isn't that the one that's like almost like a judo karate mix? Or? It's a real hard style karate. Meaning okay. like they, they really do a hard style karate. Like it, it, it's, it, they do like those hundred man kumites and things like that. Koshukin and Shotokan are like really hard styles of karate, like leg kicks. Things like that. Like, they're punching to the body really hard. I think, I, if I'm not mistaken, again, someone will probably correct me if I'm wrong. But I think all strikes are without uh, any sort of padding when it comes to them competing. But they just can't punch to the face, which is wild because they can kick each other directly in the head. <laughs> it's just always, like, an interesting, uh, like, like juxtaposition. They're just like, nah, you can't. Don't punch him. Just blast him with a kick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's right. like, all right, bro, and that no, no sweat. Um, so yeah, like that in and of itself, it's like one of those things. I think it's, it's just been inherent in me. Like I think having self awareness, even as a little kid, and maybe it was because of that situation, going like, oh, I gotta, I gotta do something. If I don't do something, I, like this. This may happen to me all the time, meaning my, my brother, but m maybe not my brother. Someone else is just going to come in here and like send me across the room. Not, not, not kosher with me, at mm -hmm. least even as a little kid. So that, that was the, the initial thought process is like, you know, this is probably good to put him in a scenario that's going to be really beneficial for him. And we're fortunate enough that where we grew up, one of the, one of the, one of the initial people that brought judo back over from Japan after World War II was there in the Brown family. There was Brown's judo. And um, they were very instrumental in judo, not only nationally, but specifically New York State and stuff like that. It was, it, it was just one of those serendipitous type of scenarios for me. Mm -hmm. So Nice. Uh, with judo, though, so when you went into judo yep. at six years old, that must have been crazy, though. What did it feel like being thrown around, though, at six? You don't really even think about stuff like that. I feel like, yeah, as a kid, I feel like you, 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 because I, I feel like your kids probably are quote unquote more scared, but they're also more audacious, you know? Yeah. And they, and yeah. So when you're doing judo, right? And you're doing jujitsu and you're doing wrestling as a kid and things like that. And you, that's why they bake in like games for kids. You know, they think they want to try to make it like, hey, this is more of a skill game than it is a martial art sport, yeah. right? To start. This is where, in my opinion, judo and in wrestling and boxing have things going for them that jujitsu is still kind of getting their legs about them, and that's why I'm really fortunate to start judo than jujitsu. They welcome a physicality because what they're doing is they're teaching you as if the other person already understands what's going on. Where jujitsu, jujitsu, 
with in the the construct that we understand it from the original Gracie family. They were teaching and and were kind of giving you the perspective like this is jujitsu against some scrub in Rio on the beach that doesn't know what's happening. So they're not always doing things originally that allowed people to go like, oh yeah, this is just going to be, I'm just going to like, this is going to be a really competitive scenario. It's like, no, you just X, Y, Z, you're done. You got them. Judo and especially, you know, wrestling, boxing stuff like you're going against an opponent that is competent. It's a mirror image of you. To, until you find out otherwise. Yeah. Until you find out otherwise. You know what I mean? Until yep. you get the better of them or vice versa. And that's and they welcome physicality and they welcome that like, hey, we there's certain immutable laws of this scenario that we can't sidestep. And if we lean into them versus trying to circumvent them, we can create a whole beautiful interpretation around it where jujitsu is almost kind of still trying to like get around stuff that's why i think a lot of times in gi, you hear people like diminish gi like no gi has gained a lot of popularity it has like, it's really has really really has and i think the reason that is is because you see in gi especially in the big circuits and ibjf and things like that they have competitors that game the rules and the rules in and of itself are kind of like not based in reality anymore some guys hanging off the bottom of your gi lapel dangling between your legs like fish bait and it's like what's happening here and it's not really based in in anything like it's like that's not what jujitsu was for to start because if you want to go back to the grace thing like i said it's sort of like valley tudor rules it's like you know get the guy in a situation where you can either strike or submit them where a lot of gi jujitsu is kind of like we're not striking. Like you, you say that or take down. Like they're almost like, what's happening here? Just pull guard and be on the ground. <laughs> yeah, right? Which, that's the sport part of it, right? That's fine, but that's really moving away from the original intention, which is jujitsu is for fighting. And that's I, I kind of use that tagline when I talk to people. Jujitsu is for fighting. So you want to make sure that you're a well-rounded grappler, mm-hmm. and then backfill jujitsu as you go. So as we're teaching and as we're talking about things and concepts and techniques and principles. We really want to be able to make sure people understand the whole conceptual part of a, of a technique or conceptual part of the progression, and then we can backfill techniques as we go. Yeah. No, that's why I like when I'm in class and, like, the uh, instructors, like, you know, Mikey, Andy, anyone, they'll yeah. explain what they're doing and why they're doing yeah. it and then what to do. And then what I like is when they progress, like, okay, so we did this, but then what if so-and-so does this or he or she does sure. this? This is how you approach it. But it's funny, too, because – I actually didn't know. Well, I know there's combat jujitsu. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that um, they were always doing striking even back then. But didn't they used to dojo storm? They beat the shit out of yeah, people. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, yeah. so again, so if we look at it through like that, that Gracie prism of like why they originally were doing it, they, they were going to other places and be like, "Hey, we're gonna beat the shit out of you. again." Guys that didn't know jujitsu, I mean, they weren't like wrestlers or you know judokas or anything like that. They're like, yeah, we're gonna like the local karate place and we're gonna pound on a whole bunch of dudes that have no clue what's going on, <laughs> dude. But you know what I mean? They t- they take them down with some cheese clinch takedown that they have, <laughs> yeah. and then they just beat the guy up. But they were beating him up not just with submissions, but they were punching. Why do you get points for knee and belly? You get points in the belly wow, in jiu-jitsu tournaments. It's because that's actually probably the most, uh, probably the most advantageous place that you could strike on the ground because you can use the rotation of your hips in the position of your shoulders from the posture and everything. Let you mm-hmm. really turn your shoulders and your hips versus like any other position. That's why you. Go, why do you get position? Why do you get points for mount? 
same type of thing. I can strike from mount. Pound. Like, exactly. You points from like the back. Like all of those things were based around not only submissions, but striking the person too. Yeah. So I think that kind of gets lost in some of the situation. And again, that's why I think people need to keep in mind when they're talking about this type of circumstance that you don't want to just be like, hey, I'm getting ready for X tournament. And that's all you're worried about. That's all you're worried about. And as a gym owner, I'm always trying to go like, hey, there's a lot of different people in here for a lot of different reasons. Let's start from the most basic, which is how do you defend yourself from your feet? That's why takedowns are so important. Not just because the judo background, but because that's literally, unless someone attacks me at Christmas dinner while I'm sitting there by myself (laughs) eating, you know, it's like, I'm most likely going to be on my feet, right? You know, like, so it's like, let's at least get good at grip fighting be comfortable in those circumstances, get ready to be able to clinch and things like that. But if you only do them and that's kind of something you said about the people that do like the, um, the hierarchy of like asking people for belt, like you mm-hmm. can't only ask X to, to train. Those are also the schools that don't train takedowns. And normally their, their explanation is, well, they're dangerous or whatever. It's like, well, how do you think they're going to get better at them? Yeah. Right. You have to, st- you have to do them. Like you can't do them once every three months when someone's getting ready for a tournament and then you have people, going back to my point, very similar to swimming, they're frantic, they have no idea what's going on, and yeah, they do something out of character and someone gets hurt because you're not doing them often enough. There's mm-hmm. no experience there. There's no uh, you know, anything to understand. There's no context for them. So it's scary and they do something crazy and then they get hurt and then they're, then they're gun shy and they never want to do it again. 1,000%. And also, too, if you think about that, I, cause I, I'm only recently starting to pull guard. Like I said, I don't know if it's, there's no right or wrong way. It, the way I chose is I always wanted to stand up because I always liked, I wasn't a wrestler, but I, I sort of wish I did. And I wanted to learn takedowns. So I would always do them standing up. And I, my whole reasoning was if I'm in the street and I'm, what am, I'm going to fucking fall to my back on concrete to, to fuck this guy up. No, if he, if I can't get away, maybe I'll give some jab punch, but if he starts coming in, I can take him down and subdue him. The good thing about training takedowns, in my opinion, too, is you know exactly which takedowns to do in the street and which ones you're not going to do in the street. To, you could potentially kill someone or you can just, what, are you going to uh, sh- shoot a blast double on your knees? You know what I mean? Like It's like yeah. cool to know. You, are, you couldn't be any more correct if you wanted to be in that regard, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think too many people don't look at it that way. Again, they're only looking at it for maybe an application not only in the gym but in some like tournament on the weekend hey i love competing in jiu-jitsu i still do it when it's really convenient for me i love that my students do it but that's on the weekend in a very controlled atmosphere Mm -hmm. no matter how many people want to tell you that they're the best in the world at something that's a tournament in a gym or an event center or some other rented space with other people that signed a waiver and referees and rules and all that other stuff. And I'm not one of those people that are like, oh, the streets are where I am the king of the streets. No, that's <laughs> not it either. I think training and then being able to compete in a controlled environment is a great way to be able to go out and test your skills against people that have no clue what you may or may not be doing. Right? Mm-hmm. They like I think it's great. But only training for that reason eliminates what you just said. It eliminates that real life aspect of what a lot of people are there for. They're there for exercise and they're there for the confidence. It's supposed to empower people to have confidence to be like, I'm going to go on the street today. And if the crackhead who normally is singing show tunes in Penn Station that I see <laughs> decides that it's not, he, the, the, the voices in his head now are telling him to come after me, I'm going to send him for a ride. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it all depends upon I don't want to kill the crackhead. 
Maybe I just want to dump them on us and then be able to control them. And that goes back to the reason why when I train with a lot of people, I'm really concerned with control more than anything. Because regardless of what my goal is, if I want to just on a spectrum, if I just control them, make sure they don't get hurt, hurt me, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Or if I need to really do something physically damaging to them, if I can control them, that spectrum is up to me at that point, right? Yeah. I can do whatever I need to do, whatever the circumstance calls for. Mm-hmm. And then again, that empowers me, gives me more confidence. And to your point, you know what you're doing. Like, you know what techniques to be able to do that may be able to like, hey, this person might just be a drunk, right? They may just be drunk and I don't want them to get hurt. I, I, I talk to people about that all the time because of all the transit I have to do on the, on the subway and the other trains and things like that. There may be some person that is having a real bad day and they're going crazy or something like that. And this person, you might be looking at me like, you know, this person is a total asshole, like completely. But at the same time, somewhere out there, someone loves that person. Yeah. And you're like, I don't want it. Like this guy, this might just be having a bad day. I'm not going to let him hurt me, but I don't want something terrible to happen to them either. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like if I can get them down and be able to pin them like, hey, hey, calm down. It's over. You know, and they kind of get like make them make sure they make eye contact with you like a dog that you're trying to take. <laughs> something. It's like, hey, it's over. It, cool. You know what I mean? Like that's way better for everyone involved than like I got a pile drive them now. Like it's a you know hell in the cell exactly like all the time exactly. Now you got to kill like no one wants that. And now you're on trial or something like that. You know what I mean? Like you really don't want. I don't see anybody really. Maybe there's some psychos out there that would want that, but me and you, at least in this in this conversation, neither one of us want that, right? Mm -hmm. Like I don't want that. I don't want that. And that person, I always think to someone like something. Somebody likes this knucklehead out there. Somebody loves this person. That's that's their little boy or little girl. Like that's their person in their life or something. It's like this person and I may be having strife right now, and we can get through this, and it might be just a blip in time, right? And they get to go home to that person. Yeah, and you want to know what too? Um, I feel like when you are able to diffuse a situation with your words and that's a demeanor that 30 what 30 years 30 plus years of, yeah. of, of martial arts brings right mm-hmm. you how you bring a certain other type of demeanor that the other person they sort of pick up on because i think we connect energetically as humans sure and you can definitely feel when someone you don't fuck with somebody like you could definitely feel that and i feel like that's the best way to go uh, i'm not gonna lie i will envision if like when i'm bored I'll be like, okay, God forbid I need to defend myself. What would I do? And I'll, I'll play the scenario in my head to try to prep. But, like, I'm not out here being like, where's the next motherfucker at the bar? I'm yeah. going to beat the shit out of him. But, like, no. Listen, that's natural. It's a hu- part of the human experience. I think when people try to dull that, they're also dulling their survival instinct. I, th- I, don't, think it's mm. a go- I don't think it's good to not entertain those things, right? I think it's, it's really important to entertain them. Be an adult, process them accordingly, understand like the things we're talking about is really important to go like, hey, this might be part of the reality that I have no choice in, in dealing with right now. And prepping yourself, just thinking about it, just thinking about it, right? You're not, you know, you're not creating a hit list and putting lipstick on and like staring at it. Yeah, like the, uh, yeah. what's that fucking uh, Mr. Deeds or yeah, something? Yeah. Yeah. Buscemi for Buscemi. Buscemi. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're not trying to do something like that, but, but at the same time, you're like, not only have I played this on my head, and I'm training, I have confidence to deal with this and stuff like that. You're not going to be shocked. You're going to be a little more cool under that type of scenario. That if it all of a sudden surprised you, like you're at a haunted house or something like that, it's like. I think that goes a long way. And another thing that's important for people to understand is you want to be a person that people can look at and go like, hey, this person trains. 
and they're not an asshole. They're not out here. They're not out here launching people on their head every chance they got. Someone, someone calls me a name on the train, and it happens more times than I would like. No, just, for real. They'll well, just, because, they'll just antagonize well, you. No reason. Well, not necessarily antagonize, but like you, you'll inadvertently bump into somebody, or somebody's being really extremely rude, and you got to stop and go, "Hey!" And they're just like, "What the fuck?" And like they try to push back, like verbally, and then you got to kind of remind people, like you're like, "I'm not the one." <laughs> like yeah. I'm not the one. Like you want to go down. You want to. You, know, you want as they call it, like, uh, um, what is it? The shoot the fade with me. That's yeah. what they that they always say in the city and stuff like that. It's like I'm not that. I'm not. I'm like first of all, look at me. Yeah, look at your ears. I, 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 I'm I seriously. Well, my, I'm always like, there's always some sort of scuff mark on my head. <laughs> I look like a stray cat. Like I just climbed out of a dumpster. Like I just like first of all, look at me. I go, do I look like I work on Wall Street? <laughs> yeah, right. No. Dude, no. The answer is no. No. Go, you work on Pain Street. Exactly. It's like look at me. Let's not do this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like let's not go down this road. And you really try to have those different. Le- but the only reason that you're even confident had that type of conversation with people if they're they're really trying to get at you in that way is because they're like. And, you know, I'm gonna send this person for a ride. You know, you're like, <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're, they're gonna they're gonna buy the ticket and go for the ride. They're not gonna like, and you're gonna give them an opportunity to get out of it. And you have no problem having that conversation. Most people wilt under those those circumstances. Mm-hmm. That fight or flight that you were talking about prior, yeah. that kicks in, and they're they're all of a sudden really nervous. Oh, again, they may do something out of character. They may escalate it, or they may do something like they're crazy, or like they shouldn't have to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Like they really shouldn't have to feel that way. If they're training appropriately, like you said, like you're you're investing in, you know, you don't have a wrestling background, even though you like one, but you are investing in it now. Yeah, yeah, one thousand percent. Which is, it's like you are paying dividends now to yourself that are only going to help people as you go out in the community, and that sounds so like way overblown, but it's like being a good person because because you can be, and you it doesn't have to be violence every time you run into somebody is actually being a good member of society, even though you're capable of violence, right? Yeah. You hear that a lot now. There's a lot of these people, personalities, whatever you want to influence, et cetera, in this uh, stratosphere that we operate in and jujitsu and militaristic stuff that kind of crosses over. And you hear people talk about um, like be, be of great violence, like capable of great violence, but not doing it. It's like, there's truth to that, right? Forget the messenger. But there's a lot of truth to that, mm-hmm. right? There is a lot. And, and being a good person means that, yeah, you can do X, Y, Z things, but you're not. And you're, you're conversating with people. And you're, you're, you're taking it to the level that is de-escalating something. Yeah. You're, you're, not, you're not escalating it to just some kind of, you know, like Street Fighter 2, like, you yeah, know. Like, tech and tech. Exactly. Yeah, like, it doesn't have to turn into that every single time. And it comes from the confidence of training because you're like, really don't even want to, like, train like i don't need to fight with you know jimmy the crackhead yeah exactly and and it, that brings one quote to my mind um from jordan peterson and i'm paraphrasing but he says something like a good man isn't a harmless man it's a dangerous man with it under control or yeah yeah and that's exactly and that's one of the people i was thinking about in my head when i said that like a lot of people are split over that guy right because of different opinions right? i don't know anything really about him i know he's i think i believe he's some sort of professor at a yeah college as in, a psychology in, in Canada, right mm-hmm. And I know some of the, his opinions like make people think one way or about him. And then some of those, like that quote in and of itself, people that train can immediately relate to that, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they're almost like, yeah, great. And so I'm like, so forget the messenger. The message is appropriate. It's apt if you're training accordingly. And you should embrace that. Yeah. Not in like, you know, some knuckle dragging type of way. But you should embrace that. You should be like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, 
I'm a good person because not only am I trying not to get into these altercations, but if I do find myself in some sort of conflict, I don't have to escalate it, even though I can. Mm-hmm. I don't have to escalate. It doesn't have to be some kind of escalation. And that comes from the confidence. That is an undervalued, underappreciated uh, thing, secondary benefit from training. Yeah. Just people don't understand that. Like they just don't, they just think it's the physical part. No, 1000%. And you want to know what an, another aspect I'll bring into it too. Um, when you start to train more and you get your, you know, preferably you get your ass kicked in, in training, right? Mm-hmm. You start to realize what it feels like to be under that pressure. And what it does is let's just say you are on the streets and you are confident in yourself, but then God forbid the person you run into is better and is more trained than you. Well, then there's what? There's no rules then. It's a street fight at that point. Correct. So, like, you know not to screw with people unless you need to, right? Unless Correct. you need to defend yourself. And that's, a, and I'm sure that you've probably heard this recently and stuff. Not enough people have been punched in the face <laughs> in these past few generations. Yeah, no, dude. Because they don't know what people, like, what violence really is. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, And that's good to a certain degree. Like, I don't want people to have to live with some sort of, like trauma from getting their head kicked in by their stepdad or something like that or so, like that's terrible you know you don't mm-hmm. want to hear that but at the same time like having physical education especially growing up and or training giving you that context like yeah man this this is not fun getting battered around you know and like maybe we should be polite a polite society is really good right yeah. when and, and if people don't understand violence they kind of like become impolite all of a sudden they're used to just saying whatever they want and there's not an immediate that's what violence is a lot of times it's an immediate immediate reminder of like hey you're gonna have to answer for something you say and if you if there's if you take that out of the equation people are just like saying all different kinds of crazy stuff yeah 1000 percent. and even when i was a kid i would say they started saying things because i'm i'm 31 right now okay but when i was uh in elementary school even then you if you fought like you got in trouble but i feel like Back, like, way, like, when you hear, like, my father and his days and, like, in the 70s, 80s, it was all, yeah, two people had it out for each other, they fought it out, one guy won, the other didn't, helped him up, high five, let's get a beer. Sure. And it's, like, that's sort of what we are missing in society because, like you said, when people think that they don't have any consequences for their actions or their words, mm-hmm. dude, you say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. And it's escalated to even greater violence, right? So instead of a fist fight, now it's people getting killed or stabbed or things like yep. that, which is which is even wilder. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're like, so you kind of jumped ahead and you went from <laughs> there's no there's no like uh like escalation. It's just immediate nuclear. <laughs> yeah, like it's right, just like yeah, someone's dude. dead now because they got into an argument with somebody. Like someone's dead. Like that's wild to me. You actually seen it a lot in the city as of late. Oh over since since the you know the troubles as I like to call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You've seen it a lot more because people's tension is higher and the stress is higher and life has changed for a lot of people. And there's been a lot of incidences on the subway of people being killed. You're just like what? what? Like killed? You're like that? That didn't happen. Even 10 years ago. No. You know what I mean? Like that didn't, you didn't hear it. Don't get me wrong. There's always been something, but it wasn't as frequent as you hear about it now. I, from August, 2017 to November, 2019, I lived in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And even then, even like on like the major A, C and E, you weren't hearing anything about that. Yeah. Boom, COVID hits, and then all of a sudden, I'm hearing about how in Queens, the C or the E or the A line, yeah. and people are getting stabbed to death. And there's blood. It's what the fuck is going on? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, but it's like all that pent up rage. They don't have the training. They don't have that discipline. They were never exposed to any type of, well, they, 
shouldn't say they weren't exposed to violence because a lot of them grew up on the streets sure. where it's happening. So they, yep. they probably, but it's a different violence. Like they never, they were never able to channel that and really use it for good. Yeah. It, it, it all, all or nothing, which is so violence begets violence. If your only answer to everything is violence, guess what's going to come and find you? It's violence. violence, exactly. And whatever level of violence you're typically doing, is that's what's going to come around and get you, right? Normally, if you're always out there stabbing or shooting people, you're probably going to be found stabbed or shot. And for someone who's been stabbed before when someone oh, was trying shit. I've told this story before. <laughs> well, do, do, you, do you mind? No, I don't mind yeah, telling yeah. the story at all. I don't mind telling the story at all. And again, it wasn't even something that is like, we still have the knife. It's one of those funny oh, scenarios. Shit. So it's like, it, it, it wasn't even one of those situations that we were, so long story short, in between semesters, Christmas party, going from one house to the next, and we were all home visiting and things like that. And there's a group of people who are from a different town just going through our town for some reason. And they were talking to a friend of mine, and my friend was he was peeing in the backyard as we were getting ready to get another car. And they were like calling him some names, and I was the second one out. And, it, and, that, and that was the thing that immediately brought my attention. I'm like, what is, who's my friend talking to? And I'm like, because I know he's the first one out the door. I'm like, I'm the second one behind him. And he's like, oh, these guys are yelling or something like that. So I'm like, said something to them. And that immediately, it was, it, it was incredibly offensive because it immediately turned the guy around. Uh-huh. Or it was offensive enough that the guy was, now he was looking for the reason he was looking to get involved. And my friend and I were laughing. And ultimately, the guy came and he was still jawing at us. And me and my friend were laughing. My friend's like, "This is kind of like this guy has no clue what buzzsaw he's walking into <laughs> yeah, right now. Right. Like zero clue." And again, I'll go back and forth. I'll we can motherfuck each other all day long in terms of yelling at each other, right? I, I have no problem with that. I really don't. Like someone can say anything they want to me, and I kind of will say the same thing back to them, and not even be like, "Whatever," you know what I mean? It's not a big deal. I'm not conflict averse. It doesn't bother me in, in the way that it bothers a lot of other people. And he started reaching in his pants. And my friend, he was about 20 feet away from me. My friend's like, hey, man, I don't like this. I go, ah, what are we going to do? We were rightfully so in our, our younger years, hammered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kids yeah. like to say we were hammered. I don't drink any longer. and uh, But at that point, we were still drinking and drinking heavily. It was Christmas time. So I was like, ah, whatever, you know, whatever. But he had got, he was about 10 feet away. He brandished what he had and he was rifling through his pants for him, which was a commemorative civil war Bowie knife. Holy shit. So it's like, <laughs> so it's like something that, where the fuck did he get that, that dude? dude? Like, not what? only that, it was like one of those things just like you would wake up at three in the morning and then some guy with a Southern accent was trying to sell you on like, uh, like QVC. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like he, yeah. he, he, oh, he had one of those shit. knives and he brandished it like crocodile Dundee. And he was like, what are you going to say now? And I was like, yourself my friend was like like i could feel my friend's eyes roll to the point that like he wanted to fall down because he's like come on like can, could you have just de-escalated this and again i was at that point like i'm really with an arm reach i'm just like i don't know what's gonna happen and he was like you know what are you gonna do i'm like well, fuck yourself and then he reeled back and swung it at me and it was i had put my hands up to protect my face like a boxing guard and my elbows were tucked and his luckily we were so close that his arm had wrapped around and like hit the outside of my arm so his like bicep form hit the outside of my arms um and right away the fight was on like i was trying to get the knife away from him immediately because i was like immediately as soon as his arm hit me i was like 
holy shit, this guy's trying to kill me. I'm like, he just swung this Bowie knife at my head. I was like, there's no other way to interpret this except for someone's not trying to like take your life at this point. Yep. So we're going back and forth and trying to get it. I'm trying to pin it between my arm and my body, hoping that I'm be able to pin it and like strip it away from him. I still have the scar. You still, you can still see the scar. It's, a, it's above this tattoo. If you look really closely, you can see a white yes. line still. Yes, above I it. see it. Yeah. And you can still so like that. And eventually, I got my hand. I had to grab the blade itself, like grab it. And then I was able to get it away from me, and I threw it to the ground. As soon as it hit the ground, my friend heard it clank. He grabbed it, and he yells, oh, you fucked up now. <laughs> yeah, dude. dude yeah. And, I, and like, I just I immediately waxed the kid like to the point that his two buddies that he was with, like they, my friends had to stop me from like, like what I was trying to do. What I was trying. They, they were like, you got to stop. Like I'd hurt him really bad. So funny part of this story is is like, my friend's mom was a nurse. We went to the house. She like kind of patched me up and stuff like that before. And then we went back to the other party we were trying to go to and like party for the rest of the night. Dude, wait a <laughs> second. Oh, so you just got stabbed, beat the shit out of him, stole his knife, and now we're going to party. Now we're going yeah. to party. My friend still has the knife at his house, at his parents' house. Oh, Even at this, at this point in our lives, he still has it. And then we went and partied for the rest of the evening. And I, it was like one of those days, like woke up the next day, you're like, your hands are covered in like, like gauze and like yeah. blood and stuff. You're like, what's happening? Like, like the werewolf, like the werewolf of London. You're like, wake up, <laughs> what happened? Like, you're just all jacked up. And uh, I met a girl later on the following, I think it was the summer. And she had, she would like sort of saw that guy. She's like, it, it, like dating. And she's like, hey, you know, you really hurt him. And I was like, I'm like, I'm sorry. What did you just say to me? And she's like, you know, you really hurt me. I broke his arm. And so I go, you're lucky he's alive. Yeah. I go, no offense. I go to your former boyfriend or whomever yeah. he is. I go, you're lucky he's alive. And if you want to kind of full circle this thing, it's like all the mistakes in that story aside, meaning like all the stuff I could have done better and more appropriately and stuff. Because I would never advise anyone to act the way I did. You should see someone brandishing a knife take off like because mm-hmm. a crackhead will kill you just as quick as somebody who knows what they're doing with a knife will mm-hmm. like it, like you don't need to find out like it's not a good thing like i lucked out it, it, like my skill set aside that guy could have easily stuck that knife in my neck or something like that yeah. if i like easily right easily but the confidence of the scenario came from like me kind of just going like not only being drinking but the confidence really came from like hey i'm not really worried about this because i didn't really think all the way up until he swung the knife at me i'm like this guy's i'm like if we're gonna get in a fight i'm like this guy's done like he has no clue but that confidence came from training that yeah, confidence dude. came from training right and like it wasn't even you know the confidence of the knife bar came from drinking <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah the confidence of like the fight i was like this guy's not gonna fight I'm like he's gonna find out real quick like he doesn't know what he's doing and that applies across the board in a lot of situations, right? And, and to what we've been talking about, like that confidence will give you the ability to be able to de-escalate things or at least bare minimum, not be worried about just going about your business and being just a regular person. And that that pays dividends. I saw somebody prior at um, like have a real issue. They, they, were, they were a little, they were in their 40s at the time, but they had a situation where they got knocked down like by a crackhead near their apartment in front of their wife and the, the crackhead was giving them a hard time or something like that and like changed their whole entire life, right? They didn't have any confidence in everything. Like imagine being emasculated in front of your wife, yeah, the person that you're fuck. supposed to protect, you yes. know what I mean? Like 
I, I couldn't imagine that. I couldn't imagine that. So to people listening to this and stuff like that, you, you don't have to be a world beater. You don't have to start training to become the best in the world. You should train for the exercise component, for the confidence that we're talking about, the, the competency to be able to protect yourself and yeah. at bare minimum, like be like, all right, I'm not going to get waxed by the crackhead that lives down the street and begging for change. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like bare minimum, be like, I ate a sandwich today and I know what I'm doing. That crackhead hasn't eaten today and, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. You can not, you know, like you at least have the benefit in that regard. No, 1000%. And that's why I too, like just to train, especially, you know, if you want to, put like gender roles into it like as a man as the protector being emasculated in front of your wife must be a horrible fucking like feeling yeah, to have but, but the good news is if that ever did happen in any respect that person could go train if it's the right decision but even for women dude women just yeah. to just to, to know I, I was listening to a podcast uh it's called endless endeavor and um he was talking about how there's like a study that rape victims had this bad feeling that something was going to happen every time it happened, Ugh. right? So terrible. Yeah, no, absolutely terrible. terrible. And like the ones, I think it would—they were interviewing a former or, or or a rapist, right? That was in jail, um, and they said that they always look for the ones that the weakest ones that they sure. feel walk. And they're always looking around at themselves like they don't go for the confident ones. Mm -hmm. So it's a fucking great tool, even for fucking women, dude. Like that. Who cares? Oh, you're going to go and train with the men, man. Yeah. Like do it. You're, you're, you couldn't be any you couldn't be any more accurate in, in, in everything you just said in terms of like how women. Should, and like, again, that's again, like the thing I said before about the training partner thing. Like people, some guys don't want to. Now, listen, if you've got different circumstances where you may be married and your wife doesn't want you training with women. Yeah. Okay. No sweat. I'm not going to, I'm not going to like, go, Hey, but you should treat women as a training partner. You shouldn't treat them as a woman. Obviously they have considerations. They're smaller than you or whatever the circumstances, but if you want them to be a good training partner, you have to train with them so they become a good training partner. You should not go, I don't want to train with. No, I do want to train with. We took a female student of ours who was a teenager. She was a soccer player first, and then she spent one year wrestling under one of my purple belts at a school that he teaches at. And then she was a 500 wrestler, right? It was her first year of wrestling. He's like, hey, if she becomes a member of the gym, what do you think, you know, you know, can we help her? I'm like, I think we can most certainly help her. I think bringing her in and getting her more mat time, no matter what. She went to being the third-ranked female wrestler in the state of wow. New Jersey and then ended up placing fourth in the state wrestling tournament this past year, only losing to the girl that won every state championship for New Jersey since she was in school. Jesus Christ. So now she's wrestling in college on a college wrestling scholarship. And I'll tell you right now, if you ran across her, She's gonna. She's she's grappled with guys. Yeah. Her entire formative years now, growing up, she's going to be a hard time. Oh to, yeah. Like she's gonna give you a hard time. We have. It was crazy because she's such a tough person in general, but I watched her cry almost every practice. Not because she was upset emotionally. She wanted to win. Yeah. She wanted to win, and if you took her down or something like that, she would cry. Or, or, like. You would collide heads because we we're both shooting at the same time or something like that. I ran through that little high school girl's face on shots more times than I can count on accident. Like we changed level at the same time. I got there sooner than she did. We collided heads. She would cry even after the takedown. She would. I'm like, you are. She'd be like, yep. And she would not say two words, and she would come right back after you. Mm -hmm. If someone tries to hurt her, oh, they're fucked. They're, they're, she yeah. is going to 
ragdoll them. Yep. When I say ragdoll them, yeah. she is going to ragdoll them. Oh, yeah. And the, you know what? That, and, and because the people who attack like that, they're cowards, right? Yeah, like on course. the streets. Once they see that they're fucking with someone they shouldn't, oh, they're yeah. running. They're running. Yeah, away. they're not. If, if she doesn't kill him first. Yeah, exactly. That's not. Uh, that's not the target yeah. that they initially thought it was going to be. So any female that ever hears anything like this, you should definitely invest in training. If you think it's not, listen, try a bunch of gyms. Find the culture that's right for you. Find the situation that's right for you, but invest in it. I say it to everybody. I go, everyone can train. There's that old uh, adage from people like, jiu-jitsu is for everybody. Jiu-jitsu is for people that want to train jiu-jitsu. You have to accept that it's going to be challenging. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard. And to your point that we've been talking about, I've been training for decades. There's days I still want to go, where's all my shit? Throw it in the trash. Let me pick up, <laughs> let me pick up something else. And I do this for a living. Yeah. And I do this for a living. And there's some days that I still want to throw all my shit in the trash. Damn, bro. D- listen, it, it never gets easy but it, you don't want it but but never gets easy if people are like oh it gets easier and some days are better than others and some days are more and like listen that's part of life right mm-hmm. that's the ebb and flow of life you don't quit life because it's harder some days and you know what i mean like no one does in that regard that's not one particular day makes the or breaks you yeah, right exactly. it, it, like so you got to keep in mind like some days it's gonna suck it, and you just sucked yeah right <laughs> legit it's okay it's not the end of the world. Some days you just weren't feeling it and just timing was off and everything was off and you're just like, ah, blah. But that's why I emphasize the training aspect of it when it comes to people coming into my gym, meaning the live training, because that's actually where people make the most gains. If me teaching and them drilling is the lecture part of it, the lab part of it, the actual trying it is the rolling. Mm-hmm. And that the more exposure they get to that, the more confidence, the more exercise they get out of it. And yeah, they yeah. feel like competent and things. And it's really, really beneficial to people because also you get to unplug for the day. Meaning people talk about meditation. I don't know if you've ever tried it or not. I have, yeah, I do like meditation. And yeah. that's great. I couldn't meditate if you put a gun to my head. <laughs> not because I don't want to, but I'm thinking about so many I'm thinking about so many other yeah, things yeah. and stuff like that. And like I can never shut up. But when I do or when I do find my ability to kind of just be in the moment, it's when other people are trying to kill me. Yeah. So that allows me to kind of meditate. It's like forced meditation because I can't really think about too many other things if someone else is trying to really like get at me. Right. And so when we're training, I'm in the moment. I'm in that flow that like surfers talk about all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. They talk about that Zen like state. That's training. So you get to unplug for that a period of time. And that's really another benefit of training jujitsu or training in, in any combat sport, in my opinion, like you get to be in that moment. There's nothing else you can be doing. You can't be thinking about anything else No, or you're not going to really get the benefit. And, and you're probably going to get smoked. And that's the other yeah. part of it. You're going to get smoked. You're going to like, so it's like you have to be, you have to be present. Like everyone talks about that. You hear about that a lot in every aspect of life. Be present, be present. Like there's all these things that we want to do, but sometimes it has to be forced on you to actually be able to, to apply it accordingly. Yeah. Like I would love to be able to meditate and I'm just not, I'm not one of those guys, but I do meditate when I'm training, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, a, I mean you could say it. it's a form of meditation. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't, yeah. You don't have to be doing the, the or whatever, yeah. you know, fuck it. You're focused, hyper focused on a certain thing yeah. and a certain goal and you have to work through it. So yeah, I would say that's meditation for sure. I, I, yeah. yeah. My opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I also wanted to touch on, because when I was looking at it, you have a, a really impressive accolade. I'm going to go through um, on your website. You have 
the career achievements. Now, I won't list all of them, but one in particular, like you have the 2019 New York Pro Champion, IBJJF Nogi Pan Am Champion. That's fucking sick from 2018. Congrats on that. New York Spring Open Champion, you know, Nogi Pan again in 2017. And there's a, a whole list of them uh, here. But really what I want to like, like at that level, when you, when you started competing, right? Mm-hmm. What was your whole process going through that, especially for like the Pan Ams or like the the Abu Dhabi Pro I saw when you won the trials in, or you won it in New York, right, to go yeah. to it? Well, yes. So like when you go through these things, do you approach your do you approach training a little different when you go to the gym for those for those? Are are you turning it up more, or is your theory still the same? So my theory is still the same, right? I don't want to have to get ready. I just want to be ready. You hear, you hear a lot of people say that in a lot of different physical endeavors or even, you know, just business wise, you hear that too, you know, you, but there are some things that you want to focus on and you want your attitude to change. Unfortunately for me, um, I, I become very, uh, like, just so driven at that point because I did so even with conditioning workouts I do conditioning every single day so before I even go to my first practice and teach I've already worked out once in some days because especially towards the end of the week so even before you see me on Monday I've already worked out Mm -hmm. and then my second workout's that training session and then Mm -hmm. I train again at night Someday. So my point is, is like on my Monday, I've already worked out three times. Some people don't even work out three times in the week. Some people don't even work out three minutes. <laughs> so by Thursday, let's say, for instance, I'm pretty spread thin, not only physically, but emotionally. And sometimes emotionally, and you're just tired. You're emotionally tired. You're just off a little bit because you're just so spread thin. And I have to kind of go to the well. Of things of past disappointments, failures, things that have let me down, I've let myself down, uh, things I'm not necessarily proud of, to get me through that workout. And this has been one of those self, like, again, this is why I think being introspective about just everything that you do is really important. It's such a huge net positive for your life. Gets me through that workout. And then I still find that I'm still kind of like prickly. Mm-hmm. in transit to the to the gym not because i want to be but now i'm like oh i'm still i'm like still using that fuel from like some crazy situation that i'm upset about that i was upset about when i was like 20 to get through that workout and it's still burning so to your question to get ready for an event i start dumping that coal into the furnace. oh shit i start dumping that every time i've ever lost every time i've ever disappointed my mom every time i've ever you know, done anything that even my ancestors in the ether are looking down at me going like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> yeah. Like this guy, I lived through the, I fought a saber tooth tiger. So this guy could be doing this right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and the, you know, like, like, those, start, those are funny. And like I start doing everything like that. And I, I go to that. Well, and at that point it's very mission driven. Yeah. It's very mission driven and not because I'm, I'm again, I'm not, not a tough guy. I don't even know what that means. I, you know what I mean? Like I don't, that's for other people to kind of like give, you know, like some context to you as, right? I don't know what that means really. Well, not to blow smoke up your ass. I would say you're pretty fucking tough. Well, I appreciate that. And that's what I mean. It's like, that's like, I'm not a tough guy in that regard. Like I don't walk around like, you know, I don't know what that means. But I, when I start to focus on like, hey, I'm going to do something, I'm going to go outside of my normal schedule. And I'm going to go to place and compete against somebody. And I'll even tell you this. It's even the, the, 
I'm going to spend time away from my dogs, right? Love my dogs. Mm-hmm. It's like the, I'm going to spend time away from my dog. And I actually think about that when I'm on the mats. I'm like, I can't lose. My dogs will be disappointed in me. I like, hey. I, I, it sounds insane. That sounds like an insane person thing, but it's true. And then I'll even tell you one step further. So when I start to get into that, that, that mental, that, that focus, right? And that's best way to put it. It's like, now you're really focused. You're goal driven. If I see somebody praying on the mat before they get on to, to compete against me, I'm like, you're asking God for help to beat me. Yeah. That's more like, that's going in the furnace now. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah. That's yeah. going in the fur. Like that goes in the furnace. So people are like, and they'll tell you like, Oh, I'm praying for everyone's safety. I'm just like, you just prayed to God to beat me. And like that adds fuel to the fire like that point. And when I start to get into the point is when I start to get into that headspace, Training's the same. Attitude changes. Okay. Attitude, same attitude changes. Attitude changes. And it's very, it's very goal-driven. It's very goal-driven at that point. Damn, that's actually a really cool aspect about it too. Because I never really thought about the whole aspect of someone looking at it as, oh, he's praying to beat me. Now I'm going to use that as a, you're, now you're my bitch, mother. Oh, not, not, you didn't yeah, say that. No, I'm saying it, but, yeah. but you're my fucking bitch. Now I'm going to fucking, now oh, I'm taking exact, you. Listen, I'll take oh, shit. anything like that. Like at that point, like anything is now fueled to the fire. Like oh. anything. Don't look at me. Don't talk. And, and people will tell you, it's like, is they're watching me get ready to compete? I'm, I'm talking to people about books. I'm making jokes. I'm doing, because I'm trying not to let the moment get away from me. Because in my mind, I've already gassed myself up. I don't need to keep gassing. Everyone. And I'm trying to keep everyone else calm around me, all the other teammates and everything around me. I'm not letting them into that part of my head because I don't want them to get caught. Because if they see me getting like really worked up about it, maybe it will affect them. I want everyone to be calm about whatever they got to do and go through their process. But in my head, as soon as that door is open, like I'm preparing mentally to change my attitude towards it. And I've been preparing for weeks or months or whatever, whatever I decide I'm going to compete or whatever it is. It's not something that you necessarily want to walk around with feeling like all the time. (laughs) And that's why I mentioned like he, by Thursday, sometimes I got to go into those like disappointing scenarios that I've had in my past to kind of get through a workout to kind of like, I'm going to show you like start muttering to yourself like a psychopath. Like you're just, I'm by myself working out. And I'm, I'm having like full-blown like just basically monologues with myself about something that I did in the past that I'm not proud of, you know, and I'm yeah. trying to find that fuel because it's giving me that edge to drive through another workout before I have to go work out and then work out again. So that's really where it comes. Like that's my that's my focus at that point. The, the training doesn't change, but the attitude and the edge getting yourself up for it does really does. Okay. Nice. And and I really try to take into consideration that my students are long for that ride. Uh, Teammates and coaches are long for that ride. And it starts to become one of those things. Like I can't let these people down for this. They're going to suffer with me and stuff and they're going to invest energy into me. Oh no. We're winning baby. That's exactly what's gonna be my next question. Do you feel a pressure of, I, I would say for you answered it. It's yes. You don't want to let your students down. You have to represent, so to speak. Yeah. You don't, no one wants to let anyone down. So there's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser, right? There's going to be somebody winning, someone losing. And then like, I don't think it's not fatal, right? It's not that, that like anything I hate losing just like everyone else hates losing. Mm-hmm. How much do you hate losing? And people will try to talk about like they hate losing more than they, they like winning. And that's why they, yes, I understand that relationship 
in terms of competing, but even more so people invest so much time and energy into you. So I was, so like I've won the no gi pants as a black belt five times and there was at three different weight classes. Christ. I did a weight class above because two of my teammates were in a weight class and I didn't feel like cutting to a different weight class and I didn't feel like being in that weight class that I was supposed to be in. So I, I went above. I love that. And I just competed in like two weight classes above and won it. I also cut to featherweight. I walk around in the 160s. Okay? okay, nice. I cut to featherweight. Featherweight is in the 140s. Jesus Christ. Two years. I did it for two years. I, two years. And I'm not talking, oh, the event. No, no. I'm talking I cut to featherweight every week. Every week. Fuck. For two years. Fuck, I dude. lived that, that weight. For two years. You fucking cut 20 pounds every week for two fucking years. So I would live at the weight. I was probably in the one. <clears throat> so my diet is really consistent Monday through Saturday. And then Sunday I eat whatever I want. And I just okay. lay around. Yeah, like a, so yeah exactly. Yeah. Like a slug. You know, just ice cream. I made more of ice cream. I'm more ice cream than man at, by the end of Sunday. <laughs> but. So I'd even change my, my cheat day. For then, so I was probably in the 150s somewhere to begin the week, probably the high 150s, mid range 150s, stuff like that. I'd wear a sauna suit for at least one one training session every single day. Jeez. I'd put a I'd put a wet look like a wetsuit, and everyone that saw me during that time had seen me in these wetsuits. You know, they'd see me, and they were like, and then I'd have, <clears throat> excuse me, if it wasn't summertime, and this and again, like I said, this is two years. So if it wasn't already summer and super humid, anyways, if it was fall or winter or spring. We had, we turn all the heaters on, and then I had five space heaters in the in the gym, yeah, in different corners, and we turn them on. In in my so to the point of like not disappointing my students, my students suffered, my teammates suffered along with me in those cases. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to disappoint them because they put energy into that scenario. Yeah. They especially in this area, you could be doing anything that you can envision in your head. You could be involved in anything. You're choosing to train, choosing to train with me. You're choosing to be part of what I'm doing. I'm not going to take that lightly. I guess, you know, it's like, and, and that goes into the point of that it's, I'm considering that as I'm going about this. So if I'm going to go through that whole process and then I'm going to compete, we're there to win. Yeah. We're Fuck there yeah. to win. Fuck yeah. So that's that that's kind of the look behind the curtain in, in that regard. I fucking like that. Yeah. And for five times to do that, man, that's awesome because, you know, one time is incredible. Sure. Just going there is incredible. And to win it five times, that's a fucking statement. Like, hey, I'm here to fucking compete. I want to fucking win. And what was what would you say of those five Pan and uh, champions, right? Mm-hmm. What was your favorite one? So I don't know if there was a particular favorite that jumps out at me, but I will but probably. So the last time I went at featherweight was particularly interesting, and I won't mention anyone's name. But in the finals, I was going against someone who was still fighting the UFC. Oh, nice! Still fighting the Dude. UFC at the time. Still on the UFC roster, and the person he was being coached by was a very well respected coach, and he looked at my coach. And said, how is this guy making featherweight? Because I made featherweight, but I was still, like, I had it down to a science. You know? When I mean science, like, I knew exactly, I, I could look at myself and knew and know exactly how much I weighed. Okay. Like, I know exactly, because I knew how much water I was retaining at that point. I know exactly how much I weighed. Yeah. So I had it down to a science. And he was like, <laughs> he's like, he made the weight just like your guy did. In, in IBJJF events, you weigh in moments 
in most cases before you step on the So not like the UFC. It's not like the day before. Oh, no, no, moments, no. Yeah. Not even a wrestling tournament. Not even a judo tournament where it's typically hours in the morning before the event even starts. And then the event starts and then who knows when you're going to go on. They go, here's the time you're going to start. Your division's going to start. You get to weigh in X amount of time beforehand. Maybe 30 minutes. We're going to put you in the scale now. 30 minutes. You're not going to hide. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to really get any nutritional anything back <laughs> yeah, in your no, body. In, in terms that's going to have a net positive in that regard. You're going to have to get through at least the first match to, to try to maybe be able to manipulate your system, your hydration system through salt or something like that at that point. Yeah. So it was funny because they they were like making – and the, the other guy, the, the person I met in the finals, had done a tremendous job. He was submitting everyone up until that point. Really excellent job. He'd done a thing. And I remember one of my teammates was like, yeah, he's looking pretty good. And I would just remember myself. I'm like, I'm going to walk through him. <laughs> like he doesn't even know what he's doing. Fuck yeah. And, and not, not, be, not because I thought it was bad, but I'm, that was just the mentality. No, you that, have to have that that's mentality. Yeah. That was the mentality, right? That was the mentality. Now, I'm super respect for all these people. I really do. And I say that, and I'm not saying that in like some cheese ball, bongo, reggae, you know, fruit juice company <laughs> guy way, right? There's a lot of those guys are fake nice guys. I'm not saying that in a fake nice guy way. Like I'm, I'm saying I, I do truly respect because for all the reasons I just said, they have teammates, they, they got to suffer along with them. They have people that in their personal life that they're taking time away. I respect the fact that you decided to shoot because I'm not good or I can't have these accolades if you don't decide to show up and compete as well. Yep. You have to respect the people that you're competing against because they have to be good too for you to go, I'm good. I beat someone who is good. Yeah. So you can't you can't have one without the other, right? It's like a, a mutual respect. It, you absolutely other. have to have that. Doesn't mean you're not going to go. I'm going to walk over your body in two seconds after this starts, right? Mm -hmm. And being a tough cut and being a really and you could hear the mummer like the the murmuring going about it with the coaches behind you and like them kind of like. The one guy getting like a little, like actually verbalizing something that normally they don't verbal. Like, normally, like, even if they're thinking that maybe after the match they'd say it or something like that, but they're kind of talking about it. And like, I'll, I'm standing right here. Like, what do you mean? How do I make weight? I yeah. made weight just like everyone else yeah, did. Like, right. I may look bigger than that other guy did, but we made the same amount of weight. We had to, you know, or we wouldn't be here right now. Yep. So, that and then winning and then submitting the person right in front of everybody, right in front, and like, kind of was like, yeah that's that's letting me know you know like that's letting everybody know it's like you you can do whatever you want you can say whatever you want but the, that's why competing is a, is a very personal selfish thing but it's also very rewarding because you did it mm -hmm. combat sport it's you man like you can have a great team you can have all these great training partners you have a great coach that is very legend you can all these things but it's still you Yep. You can't tag in any of those people, right? Yep. You, it's just, you know, it's not that type of scenario. It's still you, and you got to go out there and make it happen on your own. So it's very, very rewarding in that regard when you do make it happen. That's probably one of my favorite things. And then an, another, another pans, um, you know, I, I I took a nasty head collision and I easily suffered a concussion in the semifinals. Fuck. Easily, and I was like, and I remember leaning over to one of my longtime training partners, and I was like, I'm like the room is spinning right now, and he's like, "You good?" I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, "What else are you gonna do?" You know what I mean? Like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm good." And then going into the finals, and then, win and then winning the finals in like dominating fashion, and again, like those type of things. And this is why I think people don't understand when it comes to competing. You can win a million titles, and you can be 
you can be considered the greatest of all time. But if you do not apply those lessons learned, getting through the adversity of being in an uncomfortable scenario and being cutting weight or whatever the circumstances and people eyeballing you and like watching you compete and having expectations and meeting them or not meeting them and things like that. But learning those lessons and then applying them for not only feeding, like giving that back to your students and be like, hey, I've been in this situation before. This is what I was thinking, blah, blah, blah. I think it's really defeating the purpose because I'll tell you what right now, any event I've ever won, someone else won it two weeks later or whatever the situation is. And then they were getting, they were getting all the internet high fives and stuff like that. Now in the age of social media and stuff like that, that comes and goes, that comes and goes is my point. Right. Yep. But you got to learn lessons from there that you can now apply going forward. That's really what competing should be. So it shouldn't be this end all to be all like some people really don't want to compete because they kind of get shook by like, well, what if I lose? I'll tell you right now, winning in competition is a learned skill. You can be great in the gym, but you may still not perform very well in that aspect. But the more you do it, the more you'll probably cultivate that skill of learning how to win, which is really important if winning competitions is something you want to be good at. You have to learn how to be good at it. So you got to go like, I got to get over the fear of maybe not winning. You may lose. You may be good and everyone will tell you good. But if you lose... That's not the end of it. I every and that's the great thing about combat sports. That everyone's lost. Yeah. Everyone's lost to the point we were just talking about. It's just on you. Yeah. There's exactly. no there's no like I'm having a bad game. <laughs> like, yeah. No. Let me pass you the ball. Yeah. No. Like and there's none of that. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm not feeling it today or I pulled my hamstrings. Like you it's either you or it's not you. Like you make it happen or you don't. Yeah, one hundred percent. And even like if you go to the professional level, like let's just take UFC for example, yeah. and you see someone who's undefeated. No, they're technically in UFC they're undefeated, but they're not undefeated. No. They've taken losses, they've taken their beatings yeah. to get as good as you're saying, like you're saying. Yeah, like you can take anybody and like they, they've lost at some aspect at some level right and that's typically what makes you the winner like that's it like you learned how to win that's my point you know what i mean like you learned how to win going back to the first like one of the first things we talked about pace like you learn how to weaponize pace and things like that you learn how to go fast or slow down or like create pressure more angles like like you the more experience we have with it the more you get better at doing that and at the construct of like that that just context of what you're actually applying it to at that point no 100 percent. i remember a couple weeks back actually joey campisi mm-hmm. um he was watching me roll and i had gotten in top position and i was like trying so hard to do something and i just hear mcgone calm down you're yeah. on top yeah just work it like don't don't rush it and, I'll, and it, it and ever since then i was like oh yeah you're right i am on top like i have the, the dominant position let me try yeah. to work something but it's their responsibility to get up and it's that pace that understanding just helped my game like yeah, the onus is on the other person at that point, right? Yeah. That's why the points exist, like we were talking about earlier. Like the points exist because it, it's basically providing you the feedback. Like you've done everything you were supposed to do. You are now in a much better position than the other person to either submit or strike the person to finish this. Yeah. That's what it's doing. But it doesn't have to be done now, whether it's the first 10 seconds or the last 10 seconds, or if you just hold them control the entire time like who's going to say that you didn't control this entire thing you know what i mean so it's like you have like that is part of learning how to actually be a competitor learning how to actually use this skill set appropriately in any situation whether it's self-defense a tournament on the weekend an mma fight like learning how to be a good grappler is really based around control it's not about the submissions necessarily it's really about the control and then using that accordingly and then to your point like that resonated with you and he said it to you it resonated with you and all of a sudden opened that like oh man 
yeah, I don't have to just try to, you know, sandpaper this person to death with motion. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I, it's like everyone confuses motion for progress. They're like, I'm moving around, so something good is happening. No, you're just moving around, per se. Are you progressing? Are you adding to this situation? Or are you just like basically grinding against them the entire time it's like keep that in mind when you're doing stuff i always tell people like what are you what are you getting out of this right now Mm -hmm. no for sure and actually what just because i like i said well i I was on your your website and there was one thing too i saw and you have this thing called the black magic clothes guard right um and you are known like obviously you have a great overall game, but you are known for your closed guard game. A lot of people always talk about that. Sure. The one thing though that really stuck out to me um, was I wanted to ask you like what made you gravitate toward that closed guard? Because I think I was watching a little bit. I think there was like a little video you made mm-hmm. and it was something about how you were saying people think closed guard stalling, but it's not when you know what you're doing. And sure. that goes exactly about you don't always have to be moving. Yeah. Right. Is there a reason that you flow to close guard? Was it early in your career? Was it later in your career? Like, what was it about yeah, that? Yeah. Th- listen to me. I am always kind of. I'm always kind of taken aback when someone asks that question. Not because they, it's, not because it's not a good question. Not because people don't understand. But I think maybe it just doesn't get talked about enough. Mm-hmm. And, and and there's so, <laughs> close guard is so basic that people kind of just want to go. Yeah, this is close guard. And then kind of move on to like, hey, do you want to see the thing that has an animal name? Yeah. Like you want to see yeah, the, right. the thing that's like or something that's a little more flashier, right? Yeah. And actually, wait, for, for some – sorry to interrupt. No, for okay. some of our, our listeners that may not be jujitsu, can you just explain like very layman's yeah, terms what closed guard is? Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to go into in, in this regard. So closed guard is what sets jujitsu apart from the other grappling arts, right? Jujitsu and judo are the same martial art. The sport dictates the difference of how people practice them and what they're trying to get good at. That being said, if you can be static on the ground without losing to a pin, someone has to submit you, right, or be in dominant position the entire time to score points, things like that. If you can be on your back and anchor your center of gravity by proxy of your legs to their waist, not only are you making them bear your weight, so that's what closed guard is. I'm wrapping my legs and connecting my feet behind the person's back. Mm When I'm on my back, that's close guard. That person, to move around, would have to bear my weight if they wanted to stand or the resistance of my legs if they wanted to move laterally. So now that person at the strongest part of their body is being affected by my strongest part of my my body, by my legs, right? Mm -hmm. So that's giving me the best ability to not only limit their mobility but make the person work more than they would have to if I was only attached by one leg or something like that or, or dangling off them by like some other thing. I'm really making them work at the most fundamental level Yeah. because now they have to deal with my center of gravity at theirs. So they can't just use the strength of their hips or something like that the way they want to because it's immediately tangled up by my legs and my hips are now affecting their hips. Mm-hmm. So yep. not only am I slowing them down, but now I can use my hips to affect their base and balance. So now I'm using my strongest part of my body to off balance and push and pull and leverage all those type of scenarios. And shockingly enough, close guard is the same as being in mount. Yeah. yeah. Or having someone's back, just a nuance is different. Okay. Instead of being in front of them, I'm behind them. But the leg orientation is very similar. Now there's different things you can do to make those positions a little different. But you are lining up your hips with that person's hips 
to match that one-to-one ratio of body parts to kind of check them, mm-hmm. right? Like you're checking them to make sure that they're they're having to deal with your hips and everything. So it's a really important distinction for people to understand. You have to be able to fight off your back competently to be aggressive on your feet, to be aggressive trying to pass from being on top. And the more you feel confident in being on the bottom, the more aggressive you can be from being on top because you're not worried about being put in the worst position, which would be on the bottom. Yeah, that's a, uh, I, I, I had a feeling that's where exactly where you were going. Yeah. And, it, and it's true, too, because... Damn, like I never thought about it that way about how you're really controlling. Like they have to bear the weight, and it's yeah. so true because yeah. like if you try to stand up, like people are like, oh slam slam, like yeah, good luck trying to fucking if someone's trying to, like you said, you're moving, you're you're off basing them, right? You're moving mm-hmm. your legs back and forth to to off balance them, yeah. right? Good luck trying to get up if someone knows what they're doing and fucking guard, man. Like, yeah, it's not. Listen, doesn't mean listen. No one is just gonna stop doing stuff because you're in a certain position. Yeah, you're yeah, always yeah, gonna yeah, try yeah. to do something. I know you know this, but it's gonna be a lot more difficult. They can't run around you like they could maybe if you're playing certain open guards or other yeah. things that you're not as attached to them as. And they can't stand up as easy because they're standing up while trying to hold your weight and things like that. And as they start to stand up, their limbs are a little bit more exposed because of the con- connection you have and how close you are in proximity not only to their neck, but their arms as they're starting to use that. It's a really, really important position. And in my opinion, what makes jiu-jitsu jiu-jitsu? Because only because of how strong close guard is and how many things it gives you from the person on the bottom, people avoid being in it at all costs. And other guards were developed because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's like take for Daily Hiva, for instance. Daily Hiva is a person for people that don't train jiu-jitsu. And the, the guard is named after him because he was the smallest guy fighting on a Carlson's team at the time. And all those other big guys would be standing over him trying to drop bombs on his head. So he developed a specific guard where his foot was wrapped around the back of the person's leg and his other foot was trying to push them and kick away and stuff. That guard was actually developed because he couldn't attach himself to them and he had to try to kick up at them and things like that but if he could make close if he could have gotten close guard on the people it would be or if he did get close guard they exposed that scenario that's why it was developed meaning he had to now kind of reverse engineer the position because he couldn't keep close guard and things like that the only reason that stuff exists is because you either can't get close guard or someone escapes and things like that yeah but if you can get it and keep it it gives you more options than anything else. Oh, sometimes, like, especially if I'm getting taken down by someone who's more experienced than me, and then we get into close guard, I actually feel very comfortable. All right, cool. Yep. Now now let me try to work something, right? Sure. Uh, but I, I need to more, um, need to more. I need to train it more. Sure. That, for sure. And and it's I would say it's one of, I, I'm not, I don't want to say neglecting. Mm-hmm. I just don't find myself there as much. <laughs> it's not sexy. It's not a very sexy position for people because, again, like I said, and all joking aside, doesn't it doesn't have a lot of the names and the, the cachet that some other people have. But if we look at arguably the greatest jujitsu person, maybe now, Gordon Ryan, obviously, yeah. would, is it definitely in that conversation sure. right now. But before him, you would easily argue it's Hodger Gracie. Hodger's known for his close guard. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I think people need to understand, not only is he known for his close guard, but he's known for his mount. He went through an entire world championship, not only his weight division, but absolute, choking people with the same choke, either from close guard or from the mount. The reason that that's important to understand is because he could apply the same technique because the positions were so overlapping. Yeah. He didn't have to really change how he applied the technique because it was very similar 
Everything was right there because for exactly, him. Because yeah. exactly. Because exactly. It was a cross choke. It's like one of the most basic chokes you learn in jiu-jitsu in a gi to start. And because mount and close guard are so similar in body position, not only yours, but where you're in the other person's proximity, that perception of them, it's the same thing. Yeah. So... Again, like you have to understand that that's such an important scenario for people and being good at it. Not only does it give you all these opportunities to be effective from the bottom, because not only you can go right or left, like you don't have to, like you don't have to be like when you play, let's, like I said, like De La Hiva, like you normally do it on one side. Yeah. 1, Close guard, you're doing, you have both sides, even if you play it to one side, meaning like you have a particular dominant side that you like to go to. But you have equal opportunity to go to either side. The person has no clue which side. And sometimes they, they the, sometimes they give you the side because yeah. they, if they let's just say maybe they're less experienced or they're tired and they mm-hmm. go to one there, you just off balance them, just bring them off angle, yeah. right? And then fuck it, now yeah. you have your. They don't know. They don't know exactly. And you have opportunities to go to both sides, which is really important. You have equal opportunity. And yeah. Now again, and you feeling comfortable there, you really know that you can be more aggressive. And you really want to be aggressive. We don't want to be on the bottom. That's always the funniest thing. People are like, oh, you know, for goal. I'm like, okay. I'm like, yeah, I developed this particular style of guard and things like that. Um, out of like, hey, if I get knocked down or get taken down, like I know I can go here with a vestige of like this gives me a lot of opportunity to not only make the fight difficult for this person, but it gives me a lot of opportunity to be offensive. But I feel comfortable here to be able to fight my way back on top. Oh yeah. I don't worry about getting put on the bottom because now I have an opportunity to really be offensive from this position. So being offensive from there, it really lets you go, hey, I'm really good in in jujitsu in the way that jujitsu was really kind of made. Because if you go back to the Gracie thing we were talking about, Helio and his brother were the smaller guys learning judo from a bigger Japanese person, and they wanted to be good because they weren't good at takedowns. So they wanted to be good on the bottom. They wanted to be good at the Nawaza bottom part because they weren't very competent at being able to get the person down and keep it on top, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's really important to understand. The better you are on the bottom, the more aggressive you can be from your feet and on top. I love that because, you, like you said, and you said, mentioned this like five minutes ago. It's because, let's just say you are in a street fight and shit does, and you're comfortable on top and you're comfortable on bottom. You could start doing shit, and then if they somehow sweep you, whatever, you trip, and now you're on the bottom, you're like, all right, man, I'm good. I'm good. You may not be good on the back. I'm good on the back. Exactly. Yeah. And again, that confidence that gives you the opportunity to feel like, all right, it's not the end of the world to be on the bottom. You know what I mean? We don't really want to be here. But if I get a tremendous amount of opportunity to be able to fight my way up from here, yeah. like you want to be able to fight. <laughs> yeah. Again, that's why I hate when people start talking about, like, I shouldn't say hate, but I just kind of like roll my eyes a little bit and go like, let me help you change the way you look at this. We don't play jujitsu. We fight jujitsu. And I want you to understand that. Like, and because again, I understand people want, they again, running a business. You want it to be really approachable to everyone. You don't want to create this scenario where it's aggressive and you might chase somebody off. But to your point of getting females into training, maybe someone that may not have the confidence come and train, you want them to understand, like, I'm going to teach you how to fight. Yeah. Like, I'm going to teach you. I'm not going to teach you how to play. I'm going to teach you how to fight. I'm going to weaponize you and make you confident and you can fight. We're going to fight. Like, you're going to get good at it. Yeah. And you're not going to be playing guard or playing top. They don't talk about that in judo. They don't talk about that in wrestling. They don't talk about that in boxing. 
They don't talk about it in Thai boxing. They don't talk about it in legitimate combat sports. They don't talk about MMA. Jiu-Jitsu is the only one that's always trying to make it, take the physicality out of it. And what's funny about that is Jiu-Jitsu was the one that was created specifically to, to fight, beat people, the shit. Yeah. To fight people, <laughs> yeah, which, dude. again, you, you should run your business any way you want. But don't, don't neuter the situation. Mm-hmm. Be involved. Uh, let people know that there's a standard here, and we're not here to hurt each other, but we're here to create a situation where your confidence grows from training here. Yeah, because you're exactly. gonna you're gonna learn how to fight, and you're gonna learn how to fight with people that care about you. Yeah, and everyone's gonna want to make sure that you're taken care of and you're healthy as you come and you go, because that's the only way any of us get better. But we're gonna fight. And to your point of the close guard thing, I'm gonna fight close guard. I'm not playing close guard. Exactly. You're gonna fight with me from this position. My face is gonna be jammed against your face, or my head's gonna be jammed in underneath your chin, and we're gonna be in a physicality that most people would not want to be in no. if given the opportunity. They'd be like, "Nah, no, nah, I'm good with that. I don't really want your face grinding against me, Master Splinter." Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Like, get away from me. You know, yeah. like you look like a sewer rat. <laughs> like I don't want you grinding against me right now. It's like, yeah, I know you don't. That's exactly why I'm doing it. Yeah, but that's exactly that. why I'm getting these underhooks and pulling. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like I really, I'm in love with what I do. I love it, and I'm so grateful for all these opportunities. I'm so grateful for people like yourself I met through training. It's like mm-hmm. it's such a cross section of humanity. It is. And yeah. the only thing that I can really give people is this back to them mm-hmm. and really let them know, like, man, you are so capable of so much stuff. And to the point of talking about the closed guard, it's like, I want people to understand you're fighting from there. Like, you don't worry about being on the bottom. Yeah. Like, don't worry about it. We're going to make you good from this scenario. And yeah. people are going to be like, I don't want to be in this guy's. I took him down and I want to stand up. Yeah, I don't, even want to be, I don't even want to be on the bottom with them. Like you know, like or on top, and they're on the bottom. They want they want to get out of there. They don't even want to be in that situation with you. Yeah, that's no, that's what that's, you want to do. Well, hundred percent. And if you think about it too, well, first of all, I want to say I am like very grateful to have met you as well through the mats awesome. because it's all like a plethora of information, and it's good to see different aspects and different qualities and different traits from different coaches, different instructors, different people. And the one thing though too that I always take away from our roles. Is my fucking like like you were saying with the uh usually actually I'm never I ne- I don't venture into your guard but sometimes I will try to I get you in my guard and then I just realize like right, why did I do that because then what you'll do is you'll take the head and you'll yeah. get out you get out you know and and, and everything the pressure that's mm-hmm. the one thing like the fucking pressure it is always a fight yeah but it's good I like that why am I on the mats bro I want to fucking learn how to fucking defend sure. myself and, and me, I want that pressure sure let me ask you a question like when we train right yeah. so people some some people don't want that but I always ask people they, 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 or they're shy away from it I go you hurt after we train like no, no. like no you know like I'm going to take care of you. Yeah. Like, n- nothing bad is going to happen, I promise you, unless you start getting crazy and i got to pin you down. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And even if i got to pin you down, it's going to be momentary to be like, hey, like again, that same thing we were talking about before. It's like on that spectrum, as long as I can control the situation and protect everyone involved, that's all I'm going to do it for. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to like just like, cr- like but the pr- you're going to feel real pressure. And that's how it should be. The other person should be like, this is overwhelming. Like, this is an overwhelming control scenario where I don't feel like I have any say in this. Mm-hmm. That's really, that's, where, that's really, like, that's the highest compliment you can receive from someone. Like, wow, you really control me. Like, your pressure is really good. Like, you're good at grappling. That's the highest form of compliment, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Not you're good at jujitsu, but you're, like, your control, you're really good at grappling. Because like, that really means, like, you understand what you're trying to do here. Yeah. It's not just one particular thing. 
Like it's not just one like aspect of it. You're really getting really getting good at, at grappling in and of itself. Yeah, no, I like that concept because yeah, it, it it definitely would make it would boost the confidence as well too. Because if you could like you said before with all the all the scenarios on, like on the street, if you can just subdue someone and hey, look them straight in the eyes, man, we're done, right? Yeah, that's it. Is it? Yeah, you're not gonna be fucking throwing arm bars or fucking Delaheva guard. Yeah, fuck it. No. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that was a interesting perspective. I think I'm gonna work my uh, my clothes guard now more because I, like I said, I never get into it. But fuck it, I'll find myself there. Listen, it's so it's one of those things to give you just a little more perspective on on that. It's like it doesn't have to be the end all and be all, but it's a good port in a storm because it gives you opportunity to both sides of the body. You don't have to play. Most guards, lots of guards, uh, maybe besides butterfly guard, but even people kind of hedge their bet in one direction or the other with butterfly guard. They kind of sit to one hip or the other. You don't really see them sitting neutral on both hips to start. Doesn't mean they can't. They just normally don't. But being in closed guard gives you equal opportunity to both sides of their body. It's very rare that you find that to be the case in um, in grappling. And again, right away, as soon as you're in that position, people start to get to their one side, their specific side. They feel more of dominant. Course. Yeah. But I think to start in, or maybe not even to start, but to, like you find yourself like not getting what you want, puts the person in a tight spot who's on top because they they can't just explode. They can't just without carrying your weight. doesn't mean they can't, but they have to carry more weight. It's more energy expended. Mm-hmm. So if you look at it just from that perspective right away, it goes a long way. Nice. Yeah. I 100%. Awesome. What I want to give you some time now to do mm-hmm. is absolutely promote yourself, man. Your business, <laughs> where you got. No, absolutely. Your instructionals, right? I'm actually, I was looking. I'm going to, I'm going to get the instruction on the closed guard because fuck it. Why not? <laughs> why, why not? Um, but, you know, your instructionals, where can they find you, your website, your gyms? Because I have uh, listeners all over the, the, the state, so maybe someone can't train where I train, but they can train there. Sure. So right now we're located um, in the Upper West Side and 72nd on Broadway. Really easy to get to if you're in the city. Uh, one, two, or three train brings you right to the front door, literally right to the front door of the, the gym. And we're also currently located in Newark, which right next to University Hospital, safe, ironically enough, might be one of the only places in Newark that you <laughs> consider safe. <laughs> and it, all the, tra- the path train brings you over there and things like that. It's really easy to get to. Um, you can always reach out to, to any of my social media or my, my website. Like all of my information for most, most of that is like Instagram is like a really good place to reach out. What's your handle for it's people? It's Dan Koval Jiu-Jitsu right. at, at Instagram. It's really easy to find. Um, you know, there's so much. I've done six instructionals now, I think, over three different production companies, BJJ Fanatics being the most two recent ones, the recent closed guard and the recent back attack one. And there's also a half guard one and a closed guard one off of D- Digi-Jitsu. Um, and then Grappler's Guide has a passing um, version of an instructional and also has a closed guard instructional of mine as well so i've been very fortunate to work with some of these production companies they they, uh, every single one of them has been tremendous and every single time i've ever gone to to film anything like this i've fretted about it and it's funny like other people i've talked to that have done this same type of work and put some of what they do right and if you think about yourself as an artist in any capacity which that's we're using that term really loosely right now Mm -hmm. when we say artist but in terms of like hey i'm taking what i do and putting it on like physical media of some sort right yeah 
we we always like oh man i wish i did this more did that more did like emphasize this and stuff like that you really i i can only speak for myself i'll speak for myself i really do try to put as much into those scenarios as possible and the reason i mentioned that is because if you come and become a member of one of my gyms or come and visit or something like that you know i'm going to be there and i'm going to give that type of attention to detail and commitment to to actually training with people and make sure that they enjoy themselves as much as humanly possible in a combat sport, right? Yeah. That goes back to what we talked about before. Some people are always trying to make it like they're trying to take the teeth away from it. Like we break balls and make jokes and we just make fun of each other. And I, I don't make people bow again. Nothing, no judgment against any of that stuff. Like I'm just trying to eliminate that type of stuff because not because I don't find it of value. I'm just trying to, they already deal with enough stuff. You're going to come into my gym you're going to be hearing me make fun of everybody instantaneously. And like, we're just going to joke. We're going to teach. I'm going to teach. We're going to train. And like, you're going to have the best time you possibly could in a training environment because you're going to get what you came in there for. You're going to get the training. You're yeah. going to get to train and mm-hmm. you're going to get to train and you're going to cut loose for a little while. And I okay. really think that's important for people, man. I really do. I, that's why when it comes to culture and stuff like that, people will talk a good game. But what type of culture are they creating, right? Yep. Like, what are they doing? What are they? How are they reinvesting in people? And like I said before, I think the greatest thing you can do is put your best foot forward, teach them to the best ability, and make sure that they're getting exercise through the training, and so they can be confident in themselves. Fuck yeah, man! That's awesome. That's fucking great. Also, do you train uh, law enforcement train, in case? Yeah. So I've I've been very fortunate to train quite a few different laws so a lot of tier one groups as well as law enforcement okay. over the time um teaching them how to use grappling in their um their what do they call it off the top of my head rules of engagement sorry yeah. mm-hmm. rules of engagement when it comes to how they can make arrests and stuff like that and that changes depending upon what department you're working with and what group you're working with because Absolutely. everyone has different things. So with the federal marshals and the FBI groups and different divisions and both of those. And like I said, it, it's one of those things that I love doing. I really do love doing, but that's just a, a small, small period of time. So when they hire me to come and do something like that, I love doing them. I'll yeah. always do them. I, I think it's really important, but I always tell them, if you guys aren't training, and you know what's wild? So down in Pearl Street, in that federal courthouse building, each one of those different groups have their own mat space. So the federal marshals have a full gym, matted out, logo on the gym. Logo, tell, me, uh, logo. tell me they don't use it. They barely use oh, it from what they've told me God. over the time. <laughs> but doesn't mean that they don't train outside of work. For sure. Right? For sure. Doesn't mean they don't train outside of work. It's it's in, it's in the, the FBI division have different mat space and stuff like that. And they almost don't cross pollinate really at all. Um, from what I've been told this, this, listen, that could change this week. You know, who, who knows? Right. I, I don't know everything. I'm just telling yeah. what people have told me over the time. And, but I always make sure I go, listen, this is just like anything else. Me coming to expose you to something for this X amount of hours, even though you may have some sort of back, I go, it's going to be useless and what I cannot emphasize useless enough to you, if you're not actually training at a gym close yeah. to your house or here in the city or whatever. And I always tell people, like, your law enforcement will give you a discount. Any first responder, if you are if you work an ambulance crew, if you're a fireman, if you're anything like that. Because we want to promote people in those circumstances that are going to interface with the general public that you may have to put hands on somebody. And for anyone listening, these people don't want to put hands on you, right? No matter what. They don't. 
They, they really don't. But I'll tell you this. If they have to and it's someone that you love, hopefully they're competent enough that they can put hands on you and get the person under control or whatever the circumstance. And their their instinct is not to reach for another escalating scenario, meaning a taser or a gun. That's why training is so important for first responders because now you're not, again, even when we talked about the regular public, if your initial response to somebody is fight or flight or all or nothing, yeah, you're going to make some irrational <laughs> choices <laughs> yeah. that you wouldn't if you had confidence from training. 1,000%. Right? So I think it's so important to get in there and train and like don't worry about anything else. Don't be afraid of training because you'd be surprised. Yeah, these Some of these people are afraid of training. They're like, oh, I'm a cop. I don't want to get hurt. It's like... Listen, bro, I say this to people all the time. They're like, well, you guys train, you know, with some purpose and, you know, it's challenging. I go, yeah, it is. That's the whole point. Why well, don't want to get hurt? And as soon as they say that, I go, yeah, I want to break my neck too. Yeah, right. Yeah. I go, what? like, like what? I can't get hurt less than you. This is what I do for you. You think I can be around on crutches? Like, I, I'm the one, I'm like, I'm running the show. Like, I can't be hemmed up with injuries all the time either. Yeah. So I have a true appreciation when someone walks into the gym and says that. And I tell them all the time. I go, I understand that. I go, the way we're going to make sure that you don't get hurt is so that you're training consistently with competent people that understand what, what everybody's trying to do here, which is get better in a safe environment. Yeah. <laughs> that's it, you know? That is true. That, and, that, and honestly, that's, I wish... I mean, I have my theories about. We don't have to get into it. I have sure. my. I'm the, I'm what people call a tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist. Okay. But I have my opinions of why the law enforcement doesn't want to touch this. We're outside of the liability. Sure. But it's like bullshit. Like they, you need to be fucking. You you want to get rid of the stigma, the yeah. stigma that I uh, yeah. of, of these law enforcement officers. And you see it like on. Um, I think there's this Instagram called called BJJ Cops or mm-hmm. Dot Cops. You'll see all these why you need to train videos. Sure. And it's just officers getting ragdolled yeah, by right. people who really don't even know how to fight. No, exactly. And it's like, come on. Show tune crackhead, like I said in Penn Station. You know, like shouldn't be giving you a hard time. And people say oh, he's on drugs. Like I don't care if he's on drugs. Like I've competed against people on steroids. You know what I mean? Like, he's on drugs. I still was able to take him down. You know what I mean? And then people are like, oh, I'm not you. I'm like, I understand that. You don't have to be me, but you can be a better version of you. Yeah. Like, and you can be better at what you're doing. Don't you want to go home at night and not be like, listen, I always say to them, this is <laughs> this is the joke I make. What's easier paperwork to fill out? You got to put hands on somebody, blah, 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 put them in the car. Or I shot him. Yeah. What is more paperwork? No, a thousand percent. You know what I mean? What's more paperwork? Like. What- more paperwork and less trauma. Exactly. Like, what's more paperwork? Like, you know what I mean? Like, talk cop to them for two seconds and go, what's more paperwork? Because any cop will tell you the bane of their existence paperwork. is paperwork, <laughs> right? It's like, they got it. I didn't sign up to do this paperwork. I signed up to, like, keep the streets safe. And I understand. And now they're behind the desk at the end of their shift and they're doing paperwork. I go, what's less paperwork? Do you want to shoot somebody? Or do you want to just have to, like, take them down and be, and then, like, and take them down so you're not, and again, so you're competent and controlling and you understand what's happening and it's not this fight like again your first instinct isn't to pull your heater out and smoke them you yeah. know what i mean like that's like i can't imagine any cop again i don't <laughs> i to your point i'm sure there's some psycho cops out there that probably have some rambo complex that probably do want to shoot somebody somewhere but even that guy you know i'm talking to you go train yeah, you're gonna you're going to be a better person. You're gonna do your job better. You're gonna have less paperwork to do, if you train. Yep. And I would rather see everyone train because it's such a big part of everyone's life that does train. Have you ever spoken to anyone, Joe, that like is like this isn't a, it? May be one of the many things they do, 
but it's one of the things they do. Absolutely. And they love it. Like, they love it. I've never spoken to someone that's trained that's telling me, like, that they hated it because they wouldn't still be training. Yeah. And then I've never, like, e- even on days where maybe I don't want to go to a class, mm-hmm. I have never left that class that day being like, oh, fuck, I went. I've been like, oh, thank God I decided to go. Yeah. You, it's, it's this whole mentality, this whole psychological Reprieve, I think, is the right word. Yeah. I don't know, but like, it just makes you relaxed afterward. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, you get a huge emotional benefit from it, right? Like yeah. I said, that meditation part, like you, you get to unplug and like those things kind of go away. I can't tell you how many people privately message me and they'll they'll talk about that part of it when they talk about things. I go, yeah. I go again. Secondary, tertiary benefit of actually training is that you are no longer in the wash of life for ju- even if it's an hour, whatever yeah. it is. Right, right. You're just. You're in the moment. That's why people love surfing. That's why people, or skiing or whatever it is, ski bumps, surf bumps. They they they're out, man. They you know, out to lunch right now. You know, and they do that because they don't want to be anywhere else except for in the moment. Yep. That's what jujitsu will give you. And the nice thing is, you don't have to live next to a ski mountain. You don't have to live next to the beach. You don't have to worry about the temperature. The weather's the same in every single gym. Yep. You don't have to wait for anything like that. Join a gym, start to train, make yourself happier in every aspect. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's and listen, and, and, and the last thing I'll say about that is my gym might not be for you. There'll be a gym somewhere for you. Absolutely. That's okay. And that's okay. And that's the beauty of having different people run different gyms in different ways. Try them out. Be a good gym member. Try them out and then commit to the place. Be a good part of that community and culture. There's a lot of different gyms for a lot of different people. Find one. There's fine. They absolutely will fit in there with you. Yeah. Like you'll fit in. You'll Fuck fit yeah, in. Man. I love that, dude. That's an important message. So, folks, if you're listening to that, to find some, find the culture you want. Check out Dan's gym if you're near here. And if you like it, great. If you don't, find another gym. Yeah. The important thing here is that you're training. That's basically what we're trying to get at. Um, do you have any like uh, like closing words you want to just give to anyone? Anything that you want to say? No, honestly, Joe, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on yeah, and you know, chop yeah, it man. up with you. It's really great. Every time that I get to see you, it's, you're always smiling, which always, <laughs> make, it always makes me laugh because I don't smile a lot. I, <laughs> I, I'm very like, not say stoic, but I, I'll laugh a lot, but I don't smile because I go into the room and just I'm kind of just very, I want to go under the radar. Yeah. That's really kind of what, but I love seeing you. I love how much you love training, I and it was just it. really, really enjoyable being able to hang out with you for a little bit. And talk. Absolutely, dude. The pleasure was mine. Thank you for coming on. I knew I was, when you said yeah, I was pumped. And yeah. dude, I'm always smiling because man, I'm walking in a room full of savages on 11 o'clock on a Monday. Man, like what I that's the that's what I want. And then you want to know yeah. what I'm smiling afterward because I just got better, yeah. even though I got destroyed. I just got better, dude. Listen, like I said, I think. People need to understand that it will be challenging. It will be challenging indefinitely. It will never get easy. It'll sometimes it'll get easier. It'll always be challenging, and it should. Yeah. It should be challenging. Don't yep. sweat it. Absolutely. Fucking love that. We're going to end right there. Thank you for coming on, dude. It was it's a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. You heard it here. Episode 97 with Dan Koval. Check out his gym, Dan Koval BJJ, uh, and Dan Koval Jiu-Jitsu is on Instagram as well. Yep. See you next week, folks. You're listening. We'll take it from there. Thank you.